Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Ali Trost of Sports Radio 810 WHB. Going to be talking all things Kansas City Chiefs and Sporting Kansas City and more when Ali joins us coming up later on in the show. Thomas Bridges is here with me, and we received some unfortunate news this past week about the passing of the legendary Alex Trebek, the longtime host of Jeopardy. And, Tom, I am just crushed. I grew up watching Jeopardy. I love the primetime specials that he did with the all-stars of the greatest ever. Uh, Alex Trebek, truly one of a kind. He's certainly going to be missed. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a legend. Uh, I mean, he's, a mu- he's as much as a legend as Regis Philman. Uh, I mean, he's up there. Uh, I mean... 2020 gets worse and gets worse and 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 i will say though for the for the fact that we kind of knew this was coming because of pancreatic cancer uh we kind of knew that this was going down uh one thing jones that we do have looked forward to is he is you know has has pre-taped shows that i believe go to the end of the year christmas day uh, christmas day and and I've seen on Twitter that there's going to be some surprises and some different cameos and different things like that throughout the show because, I mean, obviously he knew it was the end, but, um, you know, I am I will be tuning into Jeopardy. And, and Jones, actually, I'm hosting Jeopardy um, tomorrow night in Tulsa, and I've hosted Jeopardy before even the announcement was made that Alex Trebek had had, had pancreatic cancer and and, and all that went down uh, and it was a big hit. And so on, you know, tomorrow night um, in Tulsa, we'll, we'll do a Alex Trebek tribute essentially um, and, and hope to have a great time. Uh, Jeopardy is timeless. Um, it, one of the best game shows of all times. Um, and we'll get to, you know, maybe who will take it over later or soon. Yeah. Um, but Jeopardy will live on. Well, uh, forever. the thing with Alex Trebek, uh, looking at his legendary career of hosting Jeopardy, is that he was himself the entire time. Um, you look at just over the years, Alex didn't change. He was always true to himself and showing that personality. A lot of people thought he was kind of smug, uh, kind of, you know, uh, you know, put off some people in some sense that he was a little arrogant of some sorts, but in, in all reality, he was a very kind soul. And that was just part of his shtick of some sorts of uh, the way that he came off that way. And you know, was just an incredible human being. And the stories that we heard off camera, just amazing of the humanitarian that Alex Trebek was one of my favorite stories that came about as far as his time on the show was he had a contestant, I believe this was 2018 Tom, that in, you know, when they were closing the show, he said, by the way, Alex, I learned how to speak English through watching Jeopardy growing up and seeing you. That's how I learned how to speak English. And not only did that contestant get to share that with Alex, but get to share that with him as a contestant on Jeopardy. That was too cool. Yeah, I mean it. It, uh, you know, I don't care who you are, and, and if you're above the age of of, 
I, you know, I even I, I I feel like I've known what Jeopardy is forever. Um, the Jones, and I don't know how they did it. I know you partially grew up in Oregon and then moved here, but uh, even as a kid, we used to play classroom versions of Jeopardy. Um, actually, as early if I can think about it, as early as third grade. You know, whether it was you know in in a history class or even you know a math class, you know, it was all versions of it actually that we would play Jeopardy and they had classroom versions. I can remember growing up in, in, in elementary school, we had, they had an awesome buzzer system um, that we used. And, and uh, it's the, maybe one of the more pure forms of actual trivia um, than I can think of. And, and Jones, like I said, I'm, I'm hosting it on, on tomorrow night in Tulsa. I came across, I'll have to send you the link. It's very interesting to read. Um, and, and one of the, and we'll get to this later. One of the categories I have for tomorrow night is the masters. Um, I'd be interested to see how you would do on the final questions of that, but, um, there's a huge database of every single jeopardy question ever, um, that, that is listed. I'll have to send you that link. Um, but you can even down to a single term and it'll pop up. Uh, I mean, it's a huge database, and I I went through it in the past two days to find some interesting trivia categories, uh, Jeopardy categories, and I'll have to send that. But um, each show, they they even give commentary on what Alex said on and which show, and um, all the way down to special guests and special hosts that ask the questions as well. Uh, it's it's very comprehensive, um, and in not only that, it's it's newer um, because, like I said, I've been doing this since January. Um, this wasn't around until maybe a month ago, actually. Um, and, and and if anything, you can you can film a video, you can do a cameo, you can post a picture, you can do whatever. I think the greatest tribute maybe to Alex Trebek is posting a comprehensive uh, Jeopardy website um, with with every every tidbit of information and every tidbit of commentary. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's terrific that something like that is out there and exists. And, you know, of all the moments on the show over the years, I think one of the things we talk about Alex staying true to himself was, you know, of that sneaky personality he had, he always found ways to get these raps in. And it was just hilarious. Like, I got a clip here, actually. This is uh, some of the best of Alex Trebek rapping over the years. Check this out. And finally, we want you to name the artist as we let's rap, kids. Julia? I'll take let's rap, kids, for 200, please. Started from the bottom, now we're here. We started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Lily. What is Drake? Good. Back to you, Julia. Uh, let's rap for 600, please. Buy a chopper and have a doctor on speed dial, I guess, Mad City. <laughs> Julia. Who is Kendrick Lamar? Right. Uh, let's wrap for 800, please. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Young Money Militia, and I am the commissioner. You don't want to start wheezy, because the F is for finisher. Oh, okay. who's Lil Wayne? So Lil Wayne, smooth. yeah. Julia? Yes. Uh, let's wrap for 400, please. They mad they ain't famous. They mad they still nameless. But we still hood famous. Yeah, we still hood famous. 
Julia? Who is Kanye West? Yes, and I hope uh. I don't get an email from him. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the idea. I mean, so smooth in that, too. I mean, he had to have practiced that, right? You know he did. Did you see the cameos where, I mean, obviously off air, never been shown before, at least that I didn't see them. I'll have to send you the link if you didn't see it. Um, he's he's pretty much trying to shoot the show, and they're running through different parts, and he'll mess up kind of like a blooper, and then he ends up just uh, running amok with the cuss words. Did you see that part? I did, yes. That was great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's Alex Trebek, is, he, I mean, he's the GOAT. I mean, he's... He is as good um, as they get. So he was looked at to host Hockey Night in Canada, which um, is the equivalent of something to the effect of, you know, football night in America here or NFL primetime. I mean, that is the show of Canada. But he didn't have a mustache, and so they turned him down. They said, you cannot work in TV in Canada without having a mustache. Which to me, I'm like, why didn't they just tell him to grow a mustache if that was that big of a deal? So he got passed over for that. And Old Takes Exposed had a field day with Alex Trebek takes of when he launched this new Jeopardy of people saying this will never work. This guy, he's dull. He's not a good host. And the rest is history. Um, now, as far as who's going to be his replacement, to me, Tom, the, the way to go about this I think is that let's let these episodes run till Christmas, like we're expected, and then do some reruns maybe for a while, and then maybe try out some different hosts here. Uh, I'm not ready for somebody just to jump in that role and take over right away. I think that's the best course of action is for America to kind of be the judge and see who's best fit, who's best suited to take over as the next Jeopardy host. And you know what? Like I said, hosting it tomorrow night in Tulsa, I I would not want that job. Those are that's way too big of shoes to fill. That's like trying to sing a Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston song in karaoke. It really cannot be done. Um, you know, you can try to give your best tribute, but uh, you know, some things can't be filled. It's it's like a movie that doesn't need a sequel, and they try to force a sequel anyway, and it's just terrible. Um, Maybe I'm pessimistic here, but see, I disagree. I think you have the show must go on. I think oh, it you, will. It will. I think you have but to continue this. I think you have That's to find another host. Um, you know, the Price is Right. I'm not a big Drew Carey fan, but a lot of people are and love what he's done since he took over for Bob Barker. Um, you, you still, I think you still have to carry on with the tradition and the history of Jeopardy, and for the next generation yeah. to see this show. I'm not saying cancel it, but I agree. I'm agreeing with you is try some different people out. Don't just stick one in and try to make it fit. Right. Is what I'm saying. So I, I have the odds for who the next Jeopardy host should be. And, and I have some names in mind who I think would be a good fit, but let's just go over the Vegas odds for this. Ken Jennings is the odds on favorite at plus 100, uh, one to one odds on Ken Jennings. Look, uh, he knows Jeopardy as well as anybody, and that'd be a cool story to see Ken Jennings, but I just don't know a whole lot about Ken Jennings beyond Jeopardy. I don't know if he's got the personality to be the next Jeopardy host. He's already a producer on this show, though. 
that could be a good story to see Ken in that role. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, Ken, you know, obviously is probably the most – no, is outside of Jeopardy or outside of Alex Trebek, Ken Jennings, if you had to ask the average person, okay, outside of Trebek, who else do you know from the Jeopardy lore? Uh, 99% of people are going to say Ken Jennings. That or um, or James. Yeah, so there you go. But for the most part, everyone knows somewhat who Ken Jennings is. Uh, he's synonymous with Jeopardy. Maybe not as synonymous, obviously, as Trebek, but um, I get why he's the odds-on favorite. Right. Now, I have seen some stuff that he is kind of a crazy guy. Um, he said some horrible things, but, you know, it's 2020. Everybody's got some skeletons in their closet of some sorts at this point. <laughs> um, the other names, here, here's some of the others. I'm absolutely out on this guy. No chance. Uh, th- this guy should not happen whatsoever. And apparently he's already lobbying for this job, and his agents are involved here. Good Morning America co-host George Stepanopoulos is on this list as the second favorite at seven to two odds plus three fifty. I'm not a huge fan of George. I think he's a little dull personally. Um, you know, GMA is a fun show with all this energy with the great Robin Roberts and Michael Strahan, and then there's just George Stephanopoulos there, kind of along for the party. I think that he would tone things down in Jeopardy. We wouldn't have the excitement like there would be with Trebek. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I, – I don't hate George, but I'm not convinced that he would be the next great Jeopardy host by any means. All right, here's some other names. We'll, we'll go through these real quickly here. This would be fascinating. And there's quite a drop-off in odds after Ken Jennings and George. Neil deGrasse Tyson is at plus 1,400, 14-1 odds. Neil deGrasse Tyson has a sneaky good personality. That could be interesting. That's when I say, like, let's try these tryouts of people getting a chance of some sorts. Even if I just got a couple episodes to see what Neil deGrasse Tyson did hosting Jeopardy, I would love to see that. Yeah, Tyson is is someone that I don't hate for the role. I would like to see him get, like, like you said, try some different people out and just see. I wouldn't mind seeing an NDT show on Jeopardy just to see. Um, I mean, maybe he plugs Cosmo's show in there. Who knows? Um, I don't. I don't hate it. Other names on here: Pat Sajak. I don't see him leaving Will of Fortune or doing double duty at this point in his career. He's at plus sixteen hundred. Legacy, right? Sixteen to one. Uh, I don't see Pat Sajak being that. Alex uh, Faust. I guess he's with the Kings, and he was on the show, plus 1,800, 18-1 to 1 odds. I think you got to have a notable name to do this job. I don't see that happening. Uh, also, along those same odds, you got uh, Laura Costas. I think she's with CNN. Um, again, you got to be more notable than that to host an iconic show like Jeopardy. Then there's Ryan Seacrest. And... Tom, I, I, I like Ryan Seacrest. You know, he's known as America's sweetheart, Ryan Seacrest. He did a great job hosting American Idol all those years. And, uh, you know, he, he does American Top 40, does a great job with that, and uh, the live show with Kelly Ripa and all that. But I, I feel like there's some oversaturation with Seacrest. I think he would be fine, but we get enough Ryan Seacrest. I don't need him doing Jeopardy, Tom. 
No, I hate it. I, I hate it. Out of uh, you know, we've we've I've looked over this list that we're discussing, and and absolutely not. We cannot have Ryan Seacrest. That would be a travesty. He would have to bring back Seacrest out when he would close the show. Say, start saying that again. Um, also on the list, you have Tom Bergeron, uh, former Dancing with the Stars and America's Home Funniest Home Videos host. I like Tom Bergeron. I don't think they should have gotten rid of him on Dancing with the Stars, but he's too old. You don't replace an old guy with another old guy. I don't think Bergeron's it. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, you know, at plus two thousand. Uh, I, I don't think that's the right fit. Katie Couric. Kind of along the same lines as George is a little boring personally. You know, she was, you know, this this queen bee on the Today Show, and then she was awful on the CBS Evening News. I don't know why anybody thinks that Katie Couric could host a game show. I'm out. Now, here's a good one, also at plus 2,000 odds. LeVar Burton. That's my childhood. Reading Rainbow, Star Trek, this guy, you know, I loved LeVar Burton growing up and watched Reading Rainbow every day in second grade. I would love to see LeVar, LeVar Burton come back. I think this could be worth the tryouts. He's not doing anything anyway. LeVar Burton, that's a nice wild card I like at plus 2,000. Yeah, LeVar Burton, Reading Rainbow, I mean, that's, that's pretty classic right there. I mean, uh, you know, there's some other people that would have my vote first. Um, I would like to see LeVar get a shot the same way I'd like to have to see Neil deGrasse Tyson get his shot. All right, now let's get weird. Here's some names that are off the wall here. Plus 2,200, ESPN's Mina Kimes. I like Mina. She knows football. She knows her stuff. I have no idea why Mina Kimes' his name is listed for hosting a show like Jeopardy. That one's a little a bit of a curveball. I like Mina, but that's an odd fit. Yeah, Mina. I mean, I I don't mind Mina, but I I don't like the same way that I think Jimmy Kimmel is not a fit. I, I just don't. It's not that she's bad, uh, or you know that Jimmy Kimmel's even bad. I just yeah, it doesn't work. Right, uh, Jane Lynch. That's my no go. Absolutely not. I think Jane Lynch is awful. She already does that. Jane Lynch's night of games on NBC. It's terrible. Um, no thanks on Jane Lynch at plus uh, 2,500. Neil Patrick Harris, plus 2,500. No thanks. Trevor Noah, plus 2,800. Trevor Noah, the Daily Show just sucks with him hosting it. It hasn't been the same since Jon Stewart. I don't want him ruining Jeopardy like he did the Daily Show. No thanks. Wolf Blitzer at plus 2,800. Now, for the same reasons that we mentioned with George and Katie Carrick, Wolf Blitzer is like a robot, okay? I mean, Wolf Blitzer, now he's a very good journalist, but this guy has no soul. I mean, he, I swear, he says to his wife every night, I'm Wolf Blitzer and you're in the situation room. I mean, like, it's the same thing all the time with Wolf Blitzer. I think, Tom, America has seen enough of Wolf Blitzer the last couple of weeks. I'll pass on Wolf Blitzer on Jeopardy. Yeah, I'm, you know, he can stay in the situation room. Situation room does not belong on a show like Jeopardy. Uh, Drew Carey at plus 3,300. I don't see him leaving the prices right. He gets a pretty nice paycheck from the prices right. Uh, John Stewart also at 3,300. Uh, I like John Stewart, but I don't see him being a realistic name here. He hasn't really, he's kind of 
stepped away from TV in a bit. I don't think he wants to go back in to that grind. Chris Harrison, host of The Bachelor, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Um, I like Chris Harrison, but not the right fit here. I think he's... I think, Tom, Chris Harrison is perfect for The Bachelor, but not for Jeopardy. It's one of those things. We talk about yeah. fit here. No one I'd rather have hosting Chris, The Bachelor, but definitely not on Jeopardy. Chris Harrison has his own legacy with The Bachelor, just like Sajak has his legacy with Will. Uh, and C. Chris has his legacy, obviously not necessarily there anymore with American Idol. Um, I mean... Harrison, he did. He doesn't deserve this hate, but he's going to get it. Um, he's on my shit list, kind of like Ryan Seacrest is. No, no, absolutely not. Do not, I mean that would be like putting Alex Trebek in charge of The Bachelor? No. Did you no. imagine? <laughs> yeah, that would be a that would be some funny. Shit. Um, <laughs> I, I would watch specifically for that. Could you be imagine putting Pat Sajak? in charge of American Idol. Maybe not terrible, not as bad as Trebek on The Bachelor, but it would still be entertainment TV tonight. So my buddy Tim Brando, he actually auditioned for Will of Fortune the same time Pat Sajak did. I've seen his audition tape, and it's almost identical to Pat Sajak. I think if Brando would have gotten Will of Fortune, he would have done just as good. Um, I would, as much as I like Pat Sajak, likable guy, he's replaceable. There's a lot of people that could do that job. Uh, but the old people, they love Pat and Vanna. I mean, they simply do. So I'll, I'll give him that credit, that, that benefit of the, the doubt there. Um, here's some names that are, aren't on this list that I would give serious consideration to. And there's a couple more on here, by the way. Let me go through those first, and I'll give you my, my two I like that are not here. Howie Mandel at plus 4,000, no thanks. Deal or no deal was cool, but... He's been kind of a flop ever since. Piers Morgan plus four thousand. I like Piers Morgan. He was good on America's Got Talent, but I don't see that being a fit for Piers Morgan. Steve Harvey. We mentioned kind of the oversaturation. I can't turn on the TV without seeing Steve Harvey. You got the Steve Harvey show. You got Family Feud. You got the Miss USA, the Miss World pageants, where he's mis uh, pronouncing you know these winners of where they're from and such um you know steve harvey i can't trust him to do miss universe i'm not going to trust him to do jeopardy no thanks um yeah, there's a lot of lot of hard pronunciation pronunciations and words on jeopardy not saying that he couldn't do it and not saying trebek didn't practice some of those um my jimmy kimmel of of too silly it'd be like putting wayne brady Right. Um, Aaron Andrews at plus 5,000. Tom, we love Aaron Andrews. You know, she's the OG. You know, I mean, she was our crush when we were, you know, in third and fourth grade. I mean, she's been around forever, and she still looks great, and she's still great at her job. But Jeopardy, eh, I don't need Aaron Andrews doing Jeopardy, plus 5,000. Nick Cannon, absolutely not, plus 5,000. There's some skeletons in his <laughs> closet that uh, are – Actually, out of the closet that are a little bit too much. Not happening. Al Michaels is at plus 6,600. If Al Michaels were about 15 years younger, this might be the perfect choice. Al's got a very good personality. He's very smart. I would love Al Michaels doing it, but he's a bit too old. And then Joe Rogan at 6,600. I like Joe. 
But again, this would be odd. I know Joe for doing a great podcast and doing Fear Factor. The idea of him doing Jeopardy, no thanks. Um, here's the other names I would think about, Tom. Anderson Cooper from CNN, also 60 Minutes correspondent. He did a game show for ABC. He's done the quiz show for CNN. He is a very good game show host. I would actually say that Anderson Cooper might be my number one choice to replace Alex Trebek. And then my number two choice, I would go with Dan Patrick, the uh, radio, national radio host, also uh, you know, did Football Night in America. He tried out for The Price is Right after Bob Barker retired, but they wanted him to step away from his radio job and all that, and he didn't want to step away from that at the time. I think Dan Patrick would do a great job. He was great on Sports Jeopardy. Um, he would be a natural transition. We know that Dan's got personality. Maybe you could get the Danettes involved, too, or something. Um, so those are my two. I'll say Anderson Cooper and Dan Patrick are my two, and they're not even on this list. My third choice, I guess, Ken Jennings uh, with the connection and knowing the game and everything. Tom, give me your top three to be the next host of Jeopardy. So it's got to be Anderson Cooper. They're not on this list. Okay, it, I, I'll take, I'll do two not on the list, one on the list. Um, it's going to be Anderson Cooper, um, number one. It, because when you said that to me earlier, I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. Uh, should be. Uh, he's got the right fit, right personality, right look. I, I mean, it's it's Anderson Cooper for sure. Um, next, um, for sake of being differential, I will say Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'd like to see him at least have a shot. Okay. Um, and Jones, a little out of the left field here. And and maybe I, I would like to see him have a shot, too. He's not going to be there. But Jim Nance. Ooh. Could you Jim imagine? Nance. Jim Nance would make Hello, that fun. Friends. I think he would be fun, actually. Hello, friends. He's Welcome got- to another edition of Jeff, you know? He's got that swag that I think would fit Jeopardy. I like that choice of Jim Nance. I don't think he's leaving CBS anytime soon, though. No. And he shouldn't, not for Jeopardy. But Jim Nance, that's a sneaky good one. I I like that. I want to see one episode, one Nance episode. Yeah? Um, Just just to to get my fill. I would take Jim Nance over Joe Buck for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine Joe Buck and Troy Eggman doing a co-host of Jeopardy? They would, they would shut the show down. I would love to see, maybe not necessarily Jeopardy, we need Gus Johnson to do a game show. American Ninja Warrior. Or or Wipeout. Yeah, you gotta have an you got to have an action-packed show. I mean, you got to have, like, a physical activity. Uh, what was the – that or – Jones, there's a couple different mini shows. Um, the one, the the nerd versus pro, or the average person, average Joe versus pro. Joe's versus pros. Yes. There you go. Jay that Glazer one. did that I show. Guess. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, Gus Johnson could make Steph Curry's golf show better. Even though I can't think of the two people that are on that. Isn't that uh, um, Joe Tessator and Rob Riggle? It is. That's right. It's, I like yeah, Joe Tess. That's the one I could think. 
Right, and I think they wear the classic CBS jackets. The, the, a- the, ABC, the ABC Wide World of ABC Sports jackets. jackets. Yes. Yeah, those are the I man. Guy would love to have one of those. Uh, yeah, you know, I would. Gus Johnson could do. Joe, um, Gus Johnson could make any any boring sport. I want to see Gus Johnson call the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. I want to see Johnson do curling. Could you imagine? I mean, he could, he could literally call my office job and, and, and make me more excited to go to work. There was a commercial that Fox did years ago where Gus was just calling everyday life things and made it more exciting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he, he gets, uh, what, what do you say? Big 12, college football. Fox Sports. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, couldn't even find the words to come up with it. Um, I want to see Gus Johnson and, and, and throw Gus Johnson either one of the two of Kevin Harlan or Mike Breen together. Right. On, I got, on a game show like that. Oh, here's another one that would be, I think would actually be good for Jeopardy. Ernie Johnson. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gus Johnson or Gus and Ernie, that would be – I think Ernie Johnson would be an excellent host for Jeopardy. So there we have it. All right. So I figured this out. This is my wish list. It's Anderson Cooper, Dan Patrick, Ernie Johnson, and Ken Jennings. That's my top four. I've made it settled. Any of those four, I'll be happy. Anyone else, uh, there will be hell to pay. Let's put it that way. (laughs) We will move on. We spent enough time talking about Jeopardy, and probably will never spend that much time talking about Jeopardy ever again on this show. To the National Football League. No Chiefs stuff to talk about since they're on a bye, and we covered that stuff on Monday's show. So we're going to go straight to the NFL slate for this week. Coming up tonight, it's the Colts and the Titans, and we're going to pick this. uh, Actually, no, uh, we are picking this game later on the show. Uh, But the Titans are at home. Tom I am not sold on the Colts. I've been saying it for weeks. They're a fraud here. I got a feeling tonight could be a big night for the Titans that they could really expose this Colts team for what they're really worth. Yeah, Derrick Henry's due. It might be tonight. Yeah, it very well could be tonight uh, that Derrick Henry has a a big night for Tennessee, and they are at home. Uh, I also think what's due is Phillip Rivers continuing to struggle here. I think Tennessee's defense could play very well tonight, too. Yeah, they could get the job done, and, and, you know, we'll talk about this more, but Indianapolis, are they frauds or not? We said it about the Bears. You know, Chicago's not terribly far from Indianapolis. Uh, it's kind of those two type teams. Are they are they frauds? Uh, I don't know. Browns taking on the Texans on Sunday. The Browns are favored by three. I know the Texans aren't playing too hot, Tom, but with what the Browns have suffered of losing Chubb and and Odell and such, this is a big game for Baker Mayfield. They're coming off a bye week. Uh, The Browns not only need a win here for their playoff hopes, they need to get this win here for morale. I know the, the Texans aren't good, don't get me wrong, but I think Sunday is a big day for Cleveland. Yeah, I think they they should. And, and you know, with the Steelers being undefeated and, and the Ravens being right there, 
Uh, it's pretty safe to say Cleveland's not going to be in the playoffs. Um, but they have looked better. You know, injuries have gotten them. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a must win for them, but it would sure be a hell of a morale booster if they could come out and whoop that ass. Right. Uh, it certainly would be. Uh, meanwhile, the Washington football team is going to take out Detroit. Kyle Allen is out for the season. Looks like Alex Smith is going to get his first start in about, what, two years as he takes on Detroit. Tom, I, I think Detroit wins this game, but I, I'm just happy for Alex, not only that he's made this comeback, but to come full circle and actually get to start a game. Uh, that'll be quite the scene come Sunday just to see Alex Smith uh trot on out there and be in the starting lineup yeah for sure i mean you know with kyle allen going down how he went down i know that is you know with an injury like that an injury that had the potential to pretty much take your life uh it's always going to be this but if it definitely last sunday it's definitely going to be this this sunday right right um how about the jags and the uh packers Packers certainly should have their way. Uh, I believe that Gardner Minshew's out for the Jags. Th- this should be blowout city. Packers are a 13.5-point favorite. Bet the farm on the uh, Packers come Sunday. Yeah, that should be an easy out. You know, uh, Jones, We I was on Bovada with you uh, early to start the season and, and lost enough money to turn me off of it. But if I still had some money deposited, I'd be putting it all on the Packers this weekend. Are you broke on Bavada? Do you not have a dime left? No, and you know what really broke me? What even the sports, okay? And we'll get to the the picks later, and I'm not doing terrible, right? Um, but really what broke me, Jones, is the urge to play that damn live blackjack. <laughs> the blackjack broke me. I got greedy. I got greedy. I did, and it, it shattered me. Uh, the Eagles taking on the Giants. I don't even know what to say. Uh, <laughs> I know. There's nothing. you got to be disappointed a little bit. I'm disappointed myself. The Giants, 2-7. Uh, and seven. They've looked better the last couple of weeks. The Eagles, 3-4-1, and one, still contending for that division. I believe the Eagles are in first place. Tom, can the Giants pull that one off there in uh, the Meadowlands? Uh, do you think that they've improved enough to, to hang with Philly here? You know, it's anybody's division, and, and, and what I think is going to happen next season, the NFL is going to take some reform and, and going to take the, you know, the the top best teams instead of the division winners and, you know, maybe take a page out of uh, the future of the NBA and whether they take the best teams. Uh, I think that's coming soon because we used to see this with the NFC West, but it was never this bad. You know, right. uh, late 2010s, NFC West was bad. Now they're the best. Uh, and the divisions do switch around like that every so often. But this is bad. This is bad. Very bad. Really. I mean, the red no, – sorry, no, I caught myself. Caught myself. The R words. The Washington football team is still in playoff contention. I'll call this right now, Tom. I think the Giants win on Sunday. I like the way the Giants have played the last couple of weeks. Uh, I like Danny J. I do. The Eagles have left a lot to be desired. 
Giants have a better offensive and defensive line, give me the Giants. Take care of business at home. Win it outright. I don't even need the three and a half. Give me the Giants outright. Bucks and Panthers. I like it. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show. Um, really impressed with what the Panthers did despite the loss there, just going toe-to-toe with Kansas City like that. The Bucks, what a debacle last week against New Orleans. Um, the Bucks really need a bounce-back win here. Um, I, I think that it would do a lot for the Bucks if not only they win this game, but they need to win this game handily, I think. I think the Bucks need to send a message not only – just to the rest of the league, but just within their own locker room, they need a big win Sunday, Tom. Jones, every time we think the Bucks are here to stay, they pull a Sunday nighter like against the Saints. It's an up-down type team. Um, I still think they make the playoffs for sure, but, you know, a lot left to be desired. I mean, you bring in Antonio Brown, uh, you still have Gronk, uh, you know, you have the pieces, Um you know, does Brady get beat two games in a row? For one, got beat like he did on Sunday night against the Saints. He had been beat like that since 2014, and before that was like 2003. He's not going to get beat like that again this season. But the Panthers look good against the Chiefs, and I know that uh, McCaffrey's out um, after being back for one game. Um, but Matt Rule, you know, he's he's Panthers have a bright future. Yeah. Um we'll talk about it later. The Broncos take it on the Raiders. Tom, I feel like if the Raiders take care of business and play like they should and win this game, you'll run the ball with Josh Jacobs and open up the play action pass for Derek Carr. Just do those things. Win this game. Raiders go to six and three. We've seen how much the AFC is down. Raiders win this game. I think they're in the playoffs. I think it's a almost a done deal. Raiders make the postseason if they win on Sunday. What say you? Yeah, I think so too. I will be very interested to watch this game not on the quality game, but on how much the the Raiders put you know precedence on the game plan for the actual Broncos instead of looking ahead to kansas city next week uh you know it's got to be in the back of their mind not to i don't think john gruden thinks he could actually win this division i really don't think so um but you know they want to sweep the chiefs oh absolutely chargers take on the dolphins uh did you see the other day tom when they were comparing herbert and Tua on espn and they said one of the the differences between uh, Tua and Herbert is uh, that Tua has the it factor and Herbert doesn't. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I think Herbert does have the it factor. Uh, like, that's really not do. a measurable I mean, thing. <laughs> I mean, you know what? They say that about LeBron and, and Kobe, and they say about the clutch factor. The hit factor and the clutch factor, it's not necessarily measurable by stats and by actual numbers, which, you know, science tells us it has to technically be. Uh, but, I mean, the eye test somewhat passes. I don't I, – here's the thing about Justin Herbert. We said at the beginning of the season we weren't buying. I'm buying Justin. I and, am too. And I'm buying Tua. 
And I'm buying Kyler. I'm buying all these newer quarterbacks. I'm buying Burrow. I'm buying all of it. Um, I'm buying the Josh Allen. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Baker. And, and I'm not even I'm not even selling Baker just yet, right? As much as you know I don't like him, but I'm not even selling him. The the quarterbacks coming up in this league, there's not a quarterback that I can think of that I'm like, you know what? No. No. Um that I can think of right off the top. But the the it factor don't even do that because I mean the Chargers could could come out and win this game. I, I think Justin Herbert has shown enough. You know, right, his team hasn't won that many games, but Herbert has overcome expectation by a, a f***ing mile. And, and don't disrespect Justin Herbert. I get that, that you know, I like, too, what he's done and, and really what the Dolphins' defense has been able to do this season. But don't disrespect Herbert already. I mean, he's been disrespected enough. He almost got a Daniel Jones rap coming in i feel like and and i thought the kids played really well yeah um, um I, I thought he's really great the the dolphins a couple of years ago they hired brian flores and you know people were not high on that hire and last year they were supposed to be an 0 and 16 or 1 and 15 team they go out there and win like four or five games they way overachieved and now this year, they're a playoff contender. Brian Flores, right now, I can make the case, a legit case, Brian Flores is a top 10 coach in this league. That's not a stretch. I mean, you talk about the Dolphins' turnaround. It's not just the young talent that they've brought in and now Tua playing good and everything. Brian Flores, it's time to put some respect on his name. Brian Flores, watch out. He's doing something special. It's time that people start noticing, taking notice what Brian Flores is doing there in Miami. I'm excited for him and what he's doing with that program. Yeah, he is, and and that defense should be applauded. I think it's the most underrated, one of the most underrated defenses in the league. Um, and hell, you know, if they hadn't traded that running back, uh, what is it, Kenyon Drake to to the Cardinals? Yeah, uh, maybe that opens up that offense even more. Um, I wouldn't say they have the pieces necessarily that they need on that offense to make Tua absolutely great. They, I mean, yes, they, they beat the Cardinals, and I am sure that Tua would love to have the weapons um, that, that Kyler does. Um, but that defense is getting the job done right now. Uh, I mean, they're, they're on pace with the Bills to win that division. Uh, and, and something that Jones, honestly, growing up, um, in my lifetime, we've never seen the Bills and the Dolphins compete for a divisional title. I mean, this that's true 2020 fashion. Right. Well, and with the Dolphins, they've had a couple runs here and there where, you know, they may have pulled off an 11-win season. You know, when Bill Parcells was GM, they had a good run for like a year or two. Nick Saban won 10 games his first year he was there. I mean, some short stints of success. This is the first time in my lifetime, Tom, where I feel confident that the Dolphins are set for a long time. The Dolphins, and we'll talk about the Bills here in just a second, the Dolphins aren't going anywhere. I think this is a great story that not only are they 5-3, and three, have a chance to go 6-3 and three and contend for the playoffs, this team is set for a while. I mean, folks, get ready. Dolphin mania has arrived. Yeah, maybe it has, and, and I'm, maybe I'm not as sold as you are. Um, but they don't, you know, they didn't call him Doubting Thomas for a reason. Um, <laughs> but 
I'm right. I'm not. I don't buy super easily here. I'm bought in on Tua. I'm bought in on that defense. They need to add a few more pieces on that offense before I'm completely bought in. Um, but other than that, I mean, if you're a Dolphin fan, you got to be excited. I mean, you got to be. If you're a Dolphin fan, you have to be more excited than I was when Sean McVay took over and revamped the Rams' offense, and Jeff Fisher went to die somewhere. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm serious. Um, I remember when the Rams first took that step after being bad for so long, I know what it feels like. And I, so I know for a dolphin fan, they're going to be like, Oh, you know, are they going to be, they got to be in church on Sunday before the game going, hallelujah. Like they're not praying to God. They are praying to the Miami dolphins. They Miami are saying, dolphins. Oh my gosh. Miami I, dolphins. I, you know, Miami right. Dolphins I mean, number have, one. Have, they have paid for their sins multiple times over, and it's time for the Dolphins to be great again. Yes, uh, make the Dolphins great again. Uh, they they have sacrificed for that one undefeated season that they had. Uh, they've suffered I mean, a lot of pain. Close enough, right? All right. Uh, Bills and Cardinals. We'll pick this game later in the show. Um, I, I would say, Tom, that the Cardinals need this win more than the Bills do. Uh, both teams are, are playoff contenders, but the Bills have a lot more room to work with than Arizona does here. A bigger game for Arizona, especially with Arizona being in the toughest div- division in football. Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Bills are playing that good, and they're coming off a win uh, against the Seahawks, and, and an impressive win at that after, you know, the Bills kind of uh, pulled the Titans and, and kind of struggled a little bit there for a little bit. Um, now they're looking good. The, the Cardinals play that tough game against Miami, who we just talked about. Um, Jones, again, and we'll talk about it later, opinion is the most underrated game this week. Again, the Dolphins – I'm sorry, the Bills are playing the Cardinals in the most underrated game as the Dolphins played the Cardinals last week in the most underrated game. Uh, this one's going to be a great one. Two young quarterbacks again, both teams that haven't seen a lot of success ever. Um, you know, this is going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, and uh, this game going to take place at 3.05 on CBS. You're going to get done watching the Masters, and then you get to watch the Bills and Cardinals. That's not a bad combo for Sunday. Um, also, Seahawks and Rams, we're going to pick this game later on in the show. You could make a case the winner of the NFC West might be the winner of this game on Sunday, Tom. See, I would say that. I would say that. But then again, here's the thing, and I'd like to see it in the last four years, three years, how many times the Rams-Seahawks games have been split down the middle. Um, I know in 2018, I think that was the first time the Rams swept. And not only – Maybe in twenty yeah twenty eighteen not only swept the, the Seahawks for the first time in forever, but also swept the whole division. Um, I mean that division is is you could pretty much bet on that most of the time. Every single one of those divisional games is going to be a split. Now let me um, jump in here. Three and three. The Rams. Let's say you lose this game five and four. Seahawks then go to seven and two. I don't see how you make up essentially three games to win that division at that point. That's why I think that there's a good chance the winner of this walks away with the division title. Just too much gap at that point. Maybe the Seahawks can recover if they lose this game. 
Um, then you got a tie, but I don't see how the Rams can win the division if they don't win this one anyway. 49ers taking on the Saints. 49ers have been a hot mess in 2020. The way the Saints played last week, now they got everybody healthy back with Emmanuel Sanders and uh, with Michael Thomas and everybody there. The Saints are back at full strength. There's no reason to think that the Saints won't carry that momentum over from last week, taking on a bad Niner team. Saints should have a field day on Sunday. Yeah, they ought to keep marching in. I think they've. Uh, I think with Michael Thomas back, I think they've hit their stride. At least that's what it looked like on Sunday night. There should be no reason uh, that they shouldn't take care of business. The Bengals taking on the Steelers. Bengals are two five and one. Steelers are eight and zero. I think the Steelers win, Tom. But what I would say is that the Bengals have played so much better in the last few weeks. You know, getting some help around Joe Burrow, in particular, that win against Tennessee was really nice. And the Steelers aren't blowing anybody out here. I think the Steelers win, but I think the Cincinnati Bengals can keep it close. I, I would be surprised if Pittsburgh wins this game by more than ten points. Uh, I think Pittsburgh wins as well. I would like to see. Um, I would like to see a good game out of the Bengals, and I think they'll give one. Um, I, don't, I don't think the game will be in doubt necessarily for the Steelers the whole way through. Um, but I do think Burrow can give them a game. Burrow is a winner. Um, and, and the Steelers obviously are winners because they haven't lost all year. But I think Burrow gives them a game. I, I, I'm right there with you, Jones. Steelers go to 9-0. and They win this game. Is that division over? Is that it? I think if the Steelers take care of this, this is a done deal. I don't see any way that the Ravens make up that ground, uh, especially since the Steelers have the tiebreaker right now winning that head-to-head there in Baltimore. Um, you know, it's been a heck of a start for Pittsburgh, but you get this one taken care of, then you pretty much have the division title in the bag, and you're focused on getting that number one seed at that point. Right, and don't get me wrong. I don't think, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to go undefeated, per se. Um they might lose, you know, two or three still, but I, I think I think the division is wrapped up. I think it's already wrapped up. Uh, the Ravens have obviously, you know, looks like they've taken kind of a step back. Uh, and it's not to say it's that bad. Everyone, you know, can't keep up what the Ravens had going last year. Um, but I, I still think it's wrapped up as far as the division goes. I mean, it's clear that the Steelers are the best team in that division. Speaking of the Ravens, they'll be on Sunday Night Football taking on the Patriots. Patriots, they looked terrible in that game against the Jets on Monday night, still found a way to come back to win. If the Ravens play to their potential, there's no reason why this should be a close game. The Ravens, if they play to what they're capable of, uh, they should be able to blow out New England uh, there in Foxborough if they can play to their capabilities here uh, on Sunday night, Tom. Yeah, there, I mean, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. It just comes down to, you know, there's still a game to be played. You, I mean, you still got to go out and play it. Um, but like you said, there's no reason that they can't get the job done. Vikings and the Bears will pick this game coming up later on in the show. But, Tom, uh, these two teams right now, uh, the Vikings are playing much better. The Bears are playing much worse. Uh, for the Vikings, you know, Dalvin Cook, him coming back was huge for them, what he's been able to do. The Bears, I said they were frauds a couple weeks ago. Now I wonder, does the bleeding stop anytime soon? 
I don't know what the fix is. Nick Foles is struggling. Mitch Trubisky certainly isn't. I, I think the Bears have a lot of problems that it, it's going to be too much for them to overcome before this uh, the the season ends. Uh, their their playoff hopes. The Bears are a fraud. They're done. Yeah, I think they're done too. I mean, if you have to think about Nick Foles versus Mitch Trubisky, I mean, you might as well call your season. Right. Exactly. Let's move on. Uh, this week's Big 12 breakdown. Uh, not a whole lot to break down this week. Kind of the story of the week, Tom, is who's not playing. Um, as uh, OU, OSU, Texas, Iowa State, and K-State, uh, along with, with Kansas, uh, are all on bye weeks this week. And you know we're getting down to this final stretch here. You know, one thing I'll say before we look at the games that are going on: TCU, West Virginia, and Baylor, Texas Tech. Um, credit to the Big Twelve for it looks like Tom we're on pace to get about every game in. You look at the Big Ten; they've had games canceled that they won't make up. The SEC is looking that way, but it would appear that with the extra bye weeks and time that they built in and everything, even with as much Baylor screwed up at the beginning of this season, it sounds like that for the most part we're, we're on pace to get everything in in Big 12 play. That alone is just a success for this league this season. For as dysfunctional and unorganized the Big 12 is um, and how idiotic it turned out to be to play non-conference games when no one else did, um, the way that this has gone of just putting the COVID protocols and such, the Big 12 looks like they're on their A game. I applaud this conference, knock on wood, for uh, doing a good job of getting these games in for the most part. looks like that uh, whoever is in the Big 12 championship game is going to be deserving to be there. It won't be a question uh, at, at that point. I, I like the way this season's gone so far for this league. Been very successful to this point as we're getting close to the end now, week 11 here. You know, Jones, and, and they can say all they want to about the Big 12 not being as competitive or not being as good as in recent years. But one thing you can say, and, and you hit on you hit the nail on the head here, is that uh, outside of our, our friends in Waco, um, we've been pretty good. I mean, really impressive, actually, if you want to say that. Knock on wood again, but um, you know, you, you mentioned college football playoff and deserving, uh, you know, obviously depends on who does what. Um, and, and next week will be obviously very telling. I don't have to tell you that. Um, but, uh, just with the pac 12 already delaying games and, and, and the big 10 delaying games and, and how, I mean, how many games in, in the sec are postponed this week? Uh, I mean, I believe four. Is that you're right, and they're all decently, decently big or big enough. I mean, you have to consider the Big Twelve not only for the actual team that is, you know, wins the Big Twelve, but also for the fact that hey, with a freaking pandemic going on, we've been pretty good. Um, I mean, everything considered and everything taken, you know, down on paper, hey. We've done what we can. We're going to continue doing what we've been doing. And, and and maybe, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think here, Jones. I don't want to misspeak here, but um, if if everything goes to plan, 
it appears that the Big 12 may be the only team to get all their games in. That's if TCU plays only conference, yeah. SMU. Right, right. Right. Uh, of right. league I games. Mean, it looks like we'll get all the league games in. Um I, I think that there are going to be a couple of non-conference games that don't get made up, but the main priority was to get those conference Baylor. games in, and that looks like that's going to happen, barring some you know big COVID outbreaks here in the next couple of weeks. I thought it was smart, too, to only play two games this week when, of the COVID timeline, this is what would be the outbreak for the result of Halloween. K-State says they had an outbreak. Uh, fortunately, they had a bye week this week. You plan for those things ahead of time. The Big 12 had a good plan, it seems, as far as uh, for this season goes of getting these games in. Um, but at this point... You got Jones, that- a, a, another thing real quick. Um, and, and, and OSU fans, obviously, I have to plug my team in here even in a bye week. But, you know, I subscribed to ESPN Plus not too long ago. Uh, didn't like to do that, but I wanted to watch the Oklahoma State. Our time, Mike Gundy said, even after a loss to Texas, you know, you mentioned Halloween. Uh, he said, "Hey, listen, we lost this game. We're disappointed." He was like, "He was like, I'm not even, you know, disappointed like you guys are. You got, you know, obviously it's sad. We're gonna take a loss, um, and and credit to that Texas team, but." At the same time, hey, don't he said, don't go downtown. Don't be going downtown. And, you know, that was on Halloween night. Um, and just kind of trying to reiterate, and, and I don't think Oklahoma State's the only team reiterating this. That's the only example I have because it's, you know, televised or recorded. Uh, he said, don't be going downtown. They don't, you know, those people out there don't risk or don't have on the line what we have on the line. And, I don't think that's only an Oklahoma State message. I think that's besides our friends in Waco. I, I think that has been the entire message for every team across the Big 12 um, that said, hey, those people out there, uh, us, unfortunately, have on the line what we have on the line. So don't go ruin that. Don't go downtown. Right. Um, downtown, meaning Washington Street, the Strip. Uh Downtown meaning Sixth Street. Downtown meaning German Corner. Downtown meaning you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't go downtown. And Big Twelve hasn't went downtown, and we've been doing a hell of a job of it. Yeah, uh, in K State, you have sure an outbreak go on right now, but you have a bye week. You have time to overcome that, and so it looks like the structure of this league in that sense uh, has worked out pretty well. And you know, heading into this week eleven. I think that the way this Big 12 race stacks up, um, you know, I'm I'm still thinking that OU ends up getting one of those Big 12 championship game spots. They've gotten the help that they needed, that they were looking for. Uh, it seems, you know, they're right now at four and two. Actually, they would need another loss from OSU or Iowa State, but they'll play OSU next week. And then I'm sure Iowa State or K-State's probably going to lose another. OU almost controls their own destiny. It's pretty close. Um, you know, K-State, I mean, Iowa State plays K-State. Right. And K-State, with a true freshman quarterback and Will Howard, I mean, there's more losses for that team to come. Um, I think do, they play in, do they play in Manhattan? 
I'm not sure exactly. I think that game's in Ames, if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this OU team is still the odds-on favorite at this point. Oklahoma State, I need to see more. I've been disappointed with the way things have gone the last couple of weeks. I, I was talking to some friends of mine that cover both teams uh, last weekend, cover both OU and OSU in the press box there in uh, in uh, in Norman. And the talk of the town was, man, we went from what looked like it was going to be a very competitive game to not so much. That OU looks like a much better team than OSU does right now. Now, let's see what the bye week does. Maybe that's what OSU needed. But if OSU plays like they did against Texas or what they did against K-State, it could be a long afternoon for the, the Cowboys. I think that these this bye week and heg- heading into next week, Tom, um, OSU sh- should be an underdog, but I wouldn't, I'm not counting them out. I think that they need a wake-up call of some sorts. Mike Gundy's got to get his players' attention uh, they can't be a dead man walking like they were and barely got that win against K-State. I know that Tyler Wallace and Chuba Hubbard and those guys weren't really involved here, but they need everything from everybody next week when that game goes around. What happened against these last two games won't fly next week. So, you know, I will I will somewhat agree with you there. And, and somebody else pointed it out, and I, I don't know if it was our friends at Heartland College Sports or not um, that actually pointed this out, but so the last three OU games, and, and they have looked better. They've looked a lot better. I'm not going to take that away against from OU, and I'm, I'm shying away from being decently pretty it's scared. Been three very Southern bad game. teams that they've played, too. It, right. So they, they've pretty much had the schedule that OSU has had in, in their first games. Um, and, and so this is OU's first bigger test uh, since that Texas game. Granted, you know, TCU, we, we talked about that on – we talked about TCU on Monday. That's very hard to pinpoint team. But Tech, we kind of know what they are, and obviously Kansas. Oh, you play the games in front of you. OSU did the same. Wasn't as impressive in their first three games that OU was in their last three. OU does have – does seem to have their shit together. Um, I am more worried, Jones, and we'll talk about this obviously next week. Um, leading up to the game, but uh, I am worried about the Oklahoma State offensive line. If that's not intact, you can just ride off the Cowboys right now, and that's coming from a season ticket holder. Just ride them off. I, I mean, if the if the line doesn't show up for that game and, and we can't get LD Brown or Chuba going, um, ride them off. Ride it off. Um, some people are already deeming this uh, an absolute OU blowout. No. It's not going to happen. It's a rivalry game. Some people said the same thing potentially uh, about the Texas game and went to four OTs. I could see this game going to overtime as well. I'm not writing off anything. It's bedlam. Right. That's why it's called that. Well, and um, we'll, we'll talk about. I'll say this, week, but uh, um, as far as the matchup goes, of offensive line to defensive line, it, it should be a wake up call. I know it was Kansas, but just the fact. That that OU defensive line got nine sacks on Jalen Daniels, KU's quarterback. I, I don't care who you're playing. Nine sacks against anybody's impressive. That should send a wake up call. Should send a message to OSU that hey, 
we got to have our stuff together. Our offensive line has got to play our A game because that OU defensive line is not messing around. Uh, I mean, I don't care if it's Kansas. Nine sacks is impressive against anybody. Uh, but looking at these games this week in the Big 12, TCU and West Virginia, um, West Virginia should have probably beat Texas last week. Uh, you know, it, that was a game that got away from them. But I think they should have could have won Yeah, I think they've been better than what we thought. Somehow this is the big noon kickoff game uh, with a Gus and Joel. But West Virginia should win this game. Baylor and Texas Tech, I don't know what to think. They're both not very good. I guess I would lean towards Baylor with the senior quarterback and Charlie Brewer, but I don't say that with confidence. Um, the Big 12 slate this week is not very good. I can tell you that right now. But that's what I'm looking at, Tom. I think West Virginia you know, gets, gets a win here. It's not pretty, but they do win at home. And uh, I think Baylor finds a way to get it done on the road, gets that second win of the season. Uh, Baylor, I know that they got a new coach and everything, but uh, you know, you mentioned earlier with their COVID issues they had early on, new head coach at Dave Aranda. I expected more of the Bears. I think that not only just their record, but their culture has been a disappointment there in Baylor this year. Uh, their culture has been a disappointment for a while, but um, you know, I like David Randa. I, I don't like Baylor, uh, because at this point, I don't think the rest of the Big Twelve likes Baylor, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, they're they're essentially forcing Oklahoma State to play a game that should have been early on in the season, later on in the season, and an away game, and, and effectively making three of their last four games um, away games, but. You know, you you take what you take what happens, um, but at the same time, Dave Aranda is going to be fine. Dave Aranda is going to be a good coach for Baylor. Dave Aranda is going to right that ship. Um, you lose Matt Rule, you don't replace him easily. Come on the year that he leaves, and if this is the if this is the shit year for Baylor, then you know you you put your hands together and you praise, uh, just because of of what kind of year this has been. Um, they were fine. Baylor has a culture change that they need to take, take into hands. And, and it's not Dave Aranda's job to do that. It's the players. It's the whole university. You know, some of it lies on Dave Aranda, but this is a, a, a systemic problem that lies within the university and the culture could change. Um, but, I, I don't see him winning this week, and I don't think that's where the culture change or the change within the program starts. It's not this week. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I'm not completely sold on Dave Aranda, though. I, I expected more from this team from a wins-losses standpoint, um, considering what they had done last year, going to a Big 12 title game, going to the Sugar Bowl. I didn't expect them to fall this hard. Maybe I was naive. I don't know. But um, we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll talk more football throughout the show. We'll have our pigskin pick coming up later on. Uh, but joining us next is Allie Trost, Sports Radio 810, talking Chiefs and uh, also talking Sporting KC coming up next. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now here on the Jones Report this week from Sports Radio 810 WHB, it is our friend Allie Trost who is back. It has been a minute since we had her on the podcast, but – we appreciate her joining us. Allie, what's going on? Appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. 
Hey, Tyler, doing well. Um, happy to be on the show and love now that, you know, with me hosting a little bit more that we can just kind of go back and forth. Love having you on, uh, whether I'm hosting Sports Saturday, any special programming. So happy to be on it with you this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, but we go on each other's radio shows, you know, a couple times a month, it seems now. So it's not like I haven't talked to you in a while. But, uh, Allie, since we last talked, yeah. <laughs> there was uh, some unfortunate news. I want to get your opinion on this because we started out the top of the show on this, and, and I figured you you might have an idea here. Just out of pure curiosity, with Alex Trebek passing away and looking for a new Jeopardy host, who do you think should be the next host of Jeopardy besides yourself? Uh, who, who would you think would be a good fit to be the next host of Jeopardy? You know, I don't know if I'd be a good show host. Not <laughs> Well, I take that back. I would love hosting a show, but I think Jeopardy, I, I don't know if that's like my, if that would be my thing necessarily. That's really tough. I feel like a lot of some of the best show hosts have recently passed away and like Trebek is just a legend right I mean Regis Philbin loved Regis as well oh yeah so I I really don't know because I haven't been keeping up with some of the like up and coming <laughs> show hosts like if anything I could see them taking a celebrity and transforming them into that role I could kind of see Conan O'Brien doing a good Ooh. job with it because he's got enough of that like dry sense of yeah. humor it's not like a show where the the host can kind of take over and be the star and like trebek just did it in such like a you know not like flashy way he was right. just so consistent and it was so great so i kind of feel like conan could maybe conan. be good at that but i don't know it's tough that's a think? good name i never thought about conan i like that idea actually conan would be a good fit here's the name i came up with and he's actually hosted game shows before um and has done a very good job. He's well respected. He actually even does a comedy tour, which surprises some people. I thought of Anderson Cooper should be the next host of Jeopardy. Okay, I think I see that. I think he would be a smooth transition from Alex. Similar style, um, well respected, well liked. He is funny. I'd like to see Anderson Cooper at that spot personally. Um, now they they have betting odds on this. One of the names that was on there, it was crazy, these odds, Allie. Everything from Ken Jennings to Mina Kimes to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson to Al Michaels. I mean, the names are endless of possibly who could take over as the next host. Yeah, no, I think plenty of options, no shortage uh, when it comes to some great ones. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. I think – you know, people just have to be open-minded to the fact that it's going to be a totally different show. You know, it's going right. to be a different, different thing. Um, but I, I think it, I've been very pleased with like the next wave of game shows. I went on a podcast um, at Let It Fly where my boyfriend Tom works. They have a podcast studio, and one of their um, co-founders has a podcast called The Bracketologist, and on that show you just kind of make brackets and debate okay. different things and so we did game shows actually and they're like as much as like the classics i think dominate the like the bracket because you just can't beat some of those yeah there's some new exciting game shows coming up like the uh 
oh what's it called like something pyramid or like where like the I can't think of like what it's called now, but th- there are some really good ones. I just don't watch game shows as much. Like when I was little, yeah. I would get home from school and I'd plop on the couch and I was just like, let's do this. Like loved watching any anything and everything that I could. So. Yeah. My my childhood was watching Will of Fortune and Jeopardy every single night until I was like eight years old. Um, those are the shows I grew up yep. on. I would love to, if I'm going to be a contestant, I'd love to go on The Price is Right and play Pink, Plinko. Um, if I were to host a show, I would love to like host maybe American Ninja Warrior or Wipeout or something like that. That's where I feel like I would I would excel as far as hosting. Is uh, is there a game show you'd want to go on? Ooh, I I loved Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I Ooh. always like loved watching that one. Although I wouldn't say that my like random trivia skills are the best. So I don't know about that, but I think some of like the um, kind of more active games where you're like having to do an activity. I don't know if you remember this game show. It literally does not exist anymore, um, but it was called Cram and they would mm. make the the contestants stay up all night cramming all of this information, but they couldn't go to sleep. And then they, the next day they do their, like the, the game show is actually happening and they're having to do all of these activities while answering various trivia questions that they had studied the night before. And then throughout like all of these like strenuous kind of like, phys- like, you know, they're on like a hamster wheel, like doing all of these different things that are like making them more tired. The last thing that they do is they get in these beds and the lights are off and they're being read a bedtime story and then they have to get up and go like i think either answer questions about the story or answer like more questions about like so it's just like this whole thing and it's kind of like torturous in a way but i like that always looked so fun that was like a game that no one remembers that i loved um but i also love lingo i'm a big like okay. wordsmith so i think i would have enjoyed that okay i like that that is uh and like hosting it and I, again that was another regis one so okay Okay, I like all that. I think we should put every presidential candidate on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? If they can't win, then you don't get to be president. Um, I would love to see that. Um, but, yeah, enough of the game show talk. I, I do want to ask you about the, the Chiefs. Not a bye week this week. 8-1 um, and one record. How are you feeling about this team right now heading into the bye? I, I- – Personally, I feel really confident. I, I know that after the game against the Panthers, it was close, 33-31. wasn't the defense's best game. So I, I think it's natural for Chiefs fans whenever the Chiefs are in a close game, whether they win, or, and especially if they win. It's like it's like not good enough, you know? It, it's right. like, well, they should have won that game by way more, especially when you look at, you know, the Panthers' record and – if you just are putting, you know, side by side all of the talent that each team has, like the Chiefs on paper, definitely the better team in that in that uh, matchup. But that being said, I thought the Panthers came out with a really good game plan. They gave the Chiefs their best game. They were aggressive on fourth down. They weren't settling for field goals and they were executing at a high level. So, I, you know, while it wasn't the Chiefs best game offensively, took them a while to get going, even though Mahomes ended up throwing what, like four touchdown passes in that game. And um, they, they had no problem scoring later on once they got going, but you know, missed Tyreek Hill a couple of times that 
puts them, you know, at a at a dis uh, at a disadvantage early on. And I thought the Panthers again just took advantage. So while the results and the way that the game ended was kind of stressful and it wasn't the Chiefs' best game, I don't think that it is indicative of where this chiefs team is totally at, because I do think the defense is a lot better than they played um, in that game. And I, I think if you were to look at any question marks or issues with this team right now, which by the way, there's plenty of time left in the season for them to, to clean some things up, but obviously Harrison Butker missing six uh, PATs and two field goals is, is a big concern because that could be the difference of a win or a loss. And I think the defense, you know, the run defense has been suspect for quite some time now. And the defensive front is doing a good job getting pressure. They're just not getting to the quarterback at the same rate um, that they have in the past. And when you're paying Chris Jones and Frank Clark the big bucks, you got to have a few more sacks in the sack column. So I, I think some of those things will improve as the season goes on. I think all in all, they're a very complete team. They have only lost one game and they're not turning the football over. Um, so I, I think until the defense or special teams causes them to actually lose a game, it's not going to at least publicly be a, a big problem. You know, you've heard Andy Reid and players come out in support of Harrison Butker, for example, after he misses, uh, you know, a PAT or a field goal and you hear, the, the defense talking about how they want to improve or, you know, like there have been times this season where it hasn't been maybe the best game for the offense that rarely happens, but right. you know, it's, it's hasn't always been like a high performing, or, you know, a high octane offense every single game. So I think that this team's in a good spot. I think you could still make a very solid argument that they are the best team in the NFL right now, most complete team. So again, until any of those deficiencies cause, you know, causes them to drop a game or drop maybe, you know, like a close one, then it might become an issue. But as of right now, I think they're in a really good spot heading into the bye week. Great chance to get healthy. Got a couple of players that they'll be really wanting to get back soon. So I think that that's going to be a big part of, of the bye week this week. Let's start with Patrick Mahomes. Close to 3,000 yards in the year, 25 touchdowns, one interception, and somehow – He's not even the favorite for MVP at this point. Um, he has had a sneaky good, great season of sorts that I, I don't think he's getting the attention that he deserves. It, it sounds wild to say, but Patrick Mahomes is kind of underrated. I don't think he's getting the respect that he deserves that we talk about him in Kansas City. You know, people make such a big deal about that, you know, what he did in 2018 and you know, hey, this year maybe they're not throwing it as much. There's an emphasis on the run game, you know, whatnot. The numbers are on pace to match those, if not be better of those than what there were in 2018. How are we forgetting about Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I mean, this is quite the season that he's having, and, and he's even more efficient than what he's been the last two seasons, too. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We talked about this when I was filling in on Almost Entirely Sports for Joshua Briscoe this week. And it kind of reminds me a little bit in a different way, uh, of course, of sporting manager Peter Vermees, who was not only, you know, not named a finalist for the MLS end of the year awards with the coaching position, <clears throat> but he wasn't even in the conversation. I mean, 
He has had an unbelievable season, single season turnaround, the best in MLS history, going from 11th place in 2019 to first in 2020. But the problem is, is that Vermees, over the course of his time as the manager of Sporting Kansas City, has been a winner. He's been consistent. They've always finished high up in their in their Western Conference. Have always had a, you know a solid record. Missed the postseason for the first time last year, in in his entire time as the manager of Sporting Kansas City. Consistency isn't a sexy campaign to run on for an end of the year award. And I, I think that there's a lot of truth to the idea that when it comes to these end of the season awards or the NFL league MVP award, it has a lot to do with what the narrative of the season is. I mean, if you think about the narratives of the last uh, three seasons, 2018, Patrick Mahomes comes on the scene and is keeping the chiefs competitive despite having a really poor defense that was costing them games, giving up a high number of, of scores to opposing teams and was doing so while putting up record-breaking numbers and also throwing out all these trick plays and no one really has, had ever seen a quarterback do. That was a sexy storyline to, to follow and to get excited about. And I think he absolutely deserved to win the NFL MVP um, award that year. Then you go to the next year and you've got Lamar Jackson. He's also kind of coming on the scene. He's doing things at the quarterback position at a level that no one's really seen before. And at the same time, they're winning a lot of games. They're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, and of course, the way that their season ended wasn't really indicative of how their regular season went. But that was a sexy storyline, a young quarterback who um, has this insane ability to run the ball, but was also throwing, you know, showed an ability to throw the ball at a high level. So again, an exciting storyline. Now you've got this year, Russell Wilson. He's never received an NFL MVP award vote. He has been putting up wild numbers, though throwing a lot of interceptions as well, and kind of doing what Mahomes did in 2018 in helping his team win games despite having a poor defense. So, you know, I, I think if Russell Wilson were to win the award at this point, there's not really enough that you can say that would like make it a poor choice. If he gets it at this sure. point, there's still plenty of time left in the season. If he ends up, you know, losing the team some games and, uh, and just completely throws his chance in the garbage. Well, then, you know, it's going to be a different story. And I think Mahomes is, is the likely, uh, recipient of it because of just the consistency that he's played at this this season but that I, I just feel like it you know if you look in the, the the history of the award it's never just like he had a really consistent season you know it's like right. there's always got to be some sort of extra storyline to go with it. well it, it reminds me in a sense <laughs> of you know we've seen that Patrick has gotten all these comparisons to LeBron you know labeled the LeBron of football of sorts and you know, without question, LeBron James has been, you know, the best player in basketball for however many number of years, but he's only won the MVP in that stretch, what, four or five times? Um, you know, it, it just mm -hmm. doesn't always happen. I think that maybe some of the folks are getting some fatigue of some sorts uh, of, of Mahomes that we just, all the flashy throws and all that, we just kind of expected at this point, uh, it may seem. We, we just kind of 
maybe folks aren't surprised anymore like they used to be when Patrick first came on the scene. Well, and that's why I drew the comparison with uh, Peter Vermees at yeah. Sporting Kansas City. When you are so consistent and people have high expectations for what you are going to do week in and week out and expect a certain level of consistency and success from you, then anyone who comes on the scene and is doing that for maybe the first time or is doing it in a way that was unexpected, that's going to draw a lot more attention than the guy who's already been doing that season after season, week after week. And so while it may not be totally fair, that's kind of why I liked Mike Greenberg's proposal of, hey, let's just have a Patrick Mahomes award because I think we can all uh, agree that he's going to be the best player, the MVP of the league for the next, what, 10 to 12 years, maybe even longer, 15, however, however long Patrick Mahomes plays in the NFL, so long as he has the right pieces around him, the right coach, I, I just think that at this point where he's at and the way that he has showed improvement, both statistically and then just in game situations, the way he's reading the game now, he's becoming more of a game manager, which again, isn't always the uh, the best campaign to run on for NFL MVP. But, you know, I, I think that people are starting to come around to, okay, maybe we need to start talking about Mahomes a bit more with the NFL MVP award. And, and honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's only thrown one interception and Russell Wilson has thrown what? I think he's at like 11. He had four turnovers last week alone. Right. So, yeah, I, I get what yeah. you mean. So there. I like, and to me, you, you also have to look at like, what, well, like what, what does the voting sheet look like? You know, what criteria have to be met in order to win the league MVP award and, and what is like the, the weight that each of those different criteria carry in pushing someone ahead versus having them fall back. And I think, um, you know, and this is just, I think everyone can agree with this. If you turn the ball over, you are taking away your team's, your team's chances to succeed and win football games. And so like, I, I don't know how, how much weight that carries in the rankings of, of who's going to win, who's not, and when you're, you know, checking boxes on a ballot. But, but yeah, I think if, if Russell Wilson continues to to turn the football over, and, and again, when you have a team that your defense is, is not performing at a high level, then that could potentially hurt Wilson's chances of, um, of maybe locking up that award. But at this point in the season, because of what he did at the beginning of the season, unless he just goes out on a tear and ruins his, his entire chance of – um, you know, winning the NFL MVP award, then I, like, I think it's going to be his because there's also that idea that the guy who's never gotten it deserves to get it. The quarterback who hasn't gotten it yet. I mean, if Mahomes, it, Drew Brees in 2018, yeah. I mean, people wanted Drew Brees to get the award because he'd been in the league for so long and had never gotten it. But unfortunately there was just no logical person who could look at the two seasons of Mahomes and Brees and, and say with conviction that Drew Brees deserved that award over Mahomes. Sure. So, um, I, you know, Mahomes is going to be the MVP, and if he doesn't get the award, I think people are going to understand that that is not to say that he wasn't um, the best or that he wasn't, you know, playing at a high level that season. I think it was just, well, it's it's more fun to give it to the guy who hasn't gotten it sure. so I, I think that's just going to be the storyline for the next few few years and beyond and <laughs> and chiefs fans 
as long as they're winning Super Bowls, then who cares about the NFL MVP right. award? Except exactly. for maybe Mahomes. Right. The uh, the run game for the Chiefs, uh, you know, Clyde edwards helaire already has more yards than what Damian Williams did last year as the number one running back. And Le'Veon Bell had a decent debut there against Denver, but the run game the last couple of weeks has been kind of non-existent uh, here. It, it seemed like last week against Carolina, the Chiefs, were they, they just went away from it. It wasn't like it was bad. They just weren't running the ball. Uh, do you expect that run game to, to pick up a bit? Uh, we, we haven't seen that big breakout game yet where both you know, Clyde and Le'Veon have big days or you know, both have good performances. Do you think that's going to get better as the season gets along? Yeah, I think it's coming for sure. I There's plenty of time, and, and the Jets – we're on a mission to take Le'Veon Bell out of that game. They did not want uh, the Chiefs to have success in the run game when they played. And, and you know, really, when it comes to the Chiefs' offense this season, they have a really balanced attack. Some days, uh, if they're facing a lot of light boxes, run the football. And if, you know, teams are are dropping back in coverage, they're taking Tyreek Hill and the, and the deep passes away, then you run the football. And then in other cases – they've found more success throwing the football or, you know, getting those chunk yards, Travis Kelsey, when Sammy Watkins is healthy, uh, just finding them underneath to move up the field. So I'm not really concerned uh, that, that like Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Elair aren't a good tandem in the backfield or that the two of them can't carry this offense. If that's, if that's needed, I just think that they have so many, so many ways to, to gain yards and, and get, get scores that, whether it's a day for Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire or it's a day for McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill, it just totally depends on on what they're seeing from opposing teams. And and that, I think, is also a credit to Mahomes and, that, and, and Coach Reed. You know, they come out with a good game plan and, and they, they take what the defense is giving them. And they know that they can win even if a team comes in with a defensive game plan that's trying to take away their bread and butter, which I think is the deep pass to Tyreek Hill or the deep pass – to D Rob or, or McCole Hardman. Um, and, and they've got the pieces to run the football effectively. Uh, and I, and I think that the addition of Clyde Edwards, Elair was a, was a great addition because especially when you factor in that they lost Damian Williams and how this team looked without Kareem hunt after 2018, they still went on and won the super bowl. So I, you know, I, I think that the argument for running backs not being as valuable in the sense that you can get a lot of pro- like productivity out of a running back that you don't draft in the first round. Um, I think all of that is, is very fair and true, but you know, I think Clyde Edwards Alaire has a lot of potential on this offense and he's already shown flashes of, of brilliance and um, some of what he can do is just stuff that they were missing without Kareem Hunt. So I think as he progresses, it's going to be a, a crucial part of the offense moving forward, especially in the postseason, Damian Williams carried that team. I don't care what anyone says. He was uh, the postseason MVP for me, especially in the Super Bowl. Um, so again, it's just going to depend, but I, I think that this team is very well-rounded. And I also still think that we have yet to see uh, the most of what the offense can do, because I think Andy Reid keeps stuff close to the chest until he needs to pull it out. And right. something that I've been really interested to hear more about just each week and something that I love hearing coach Reed talk about is where he finds the inspiration for this offense and just observing the guys messing around in practice Mahomes with the pre-snap motion on that touchdown play to Demarcus Robinson against the Panthers. 
That was something that he was just messing around with that coach Reed was like, yeah, I think that could work. We'll throw that in the game plan or, um, you know, the, the big fish play to, uh, Eric Fisher. I think it was like big fish, fish out of water, whatever it was called. <laughs> um, trying to get Mike Rimmers in the mix, even, uh, in that, in the game against the Panthers. So, you know, I think that the creativity is, is never ending with this team, whether that is, Andy Reid or Mahomes and each of them feeding ideas to one another. The team you can tell has a lot of fun just playing football and they have even more fun. I think on offense, knowing that they can do these crazy things, knowing they have the quarterback to do it and they have the coach who can draw it up so that they can be successful with it. And so I think that there's a lot we have yet to see, but yeah. And the other big thing with this chiefs team that I, I think, should have fans feeling confident this season is look they won the super bowl after coming back in three straight playoff games in which they trailed by double digits that to me that's a championship team whether they're trailing or whether they're leading they're always in the game and so when you have a team that's capable of, of scoring at the rate that this chief's offense can score and a defense that is really coming to its own ahead of schedule by the way if you think about how Mm -hmm the the change of the coaching staff and then how quickly they've seemed to gel and and put the right pieces in place uh whether that's through picking up guys uh undrafted free agent uh tershawn warden has been phenomenal on the defensive line some of the uh the young cornerbacks that they've found and legerious sneed and and we'll see what bo pete keys has but you know this team is has been able to assemble a, a really solid um a really solid defense and a really solid roster with with some lottery fines and and you know building that around your your main your main players in Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark. Right, right. Um, so so going to my next point, um, you know the offensive line has been banged up. You know when you look at the receiving core, Sammy Watkins has been out for a bit. McCole Hardman just hit the COVID list uh, yesterday. And then you mentioned with the defense, the pass rush hasn't been what it was last year. The rush defense has been awful. Um, and then, you know, the secondary, you know, kind of depends on the day of sorts. What, what do you think is the biggest concern? And, and to add to that, do you think there's an overwhelming concern with this team that they can't overcome? So kind of two-part question there. What, what would you say about as far as those concerns with this team goes? You know, I, I wouldn't say that the concern is, and I was asked this on Sunday sound off on 41 action news. The question was, is the defense a big enough problem or I'm paraphrasing, but a big enough problem that they can't take this team back to a Super Bowl. I think that the defense where it is right now is absolutely good enough to get the chiefs back to a Super Bowl. And I agree with you. The run defense is a problem. However, they're not, like Christian McCaffrey is a huge mismatch for most teams and especially a team that struggles against a run like the Chiefs. He, he was the best player that on the field. Said, how many mismatches? He was the best player. Yeah. And like how many mismatches are the Chiefs going to have? Like how many teams are they going to play where the talent so like or or individual matchups so greatly you know impacts what the Chiefs are able to do defensively. And I don't think there's an answer, especially when you look at what the Chiefs can do offensively. I don't think that there's a team with enough talent to completely tear apart the defense that 
the offense wouldn't be able to recover. Um, you know, and I, I know a lot of people look at the Raiders game. Honestly, I have that game just boiled down to that was the Raiders Super Bowl. They came in with a, a will to win. I think they came in with a better game plan. And Derek Carr played the game of his life. Like, what, like I haven't seen him play at that level against the Chiefs, I think, since the two teams have been facing off with him as, as their quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I think that this team doesn't have a deficiency that is like not like in 2018, where I think it was understood that if this team were to fall short of the Super Bowl, it would be because of the defense, which yeah. it ended up being because of a D Ford stepping off sides. But even even then, even if that hadn't happened, I think they could have gone to the Super Bowl that season and won because of their offense. Yeah. And that was with an even worse defense than they have now. So to me, the the big the big piece in the puzzle is Patrick Mahomes. And as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, the defense can be middle of the pack, which they're better than middle of the pack. Um, I, I think though that there is some truth to the areas that they can improve and need to improve on getting pressure is great. You got to get to the quarterback. Um, I think the run defense does need to improve, but again, I don't know how many teams are going to be up against outside of maybe the Titans and Derrick Henry, if they even have to see them again, this yeah. postseason. Uh, he's obviously a, a player to watch, but the chiefs did really well defending him um, in the AFC championship game. So I, I think when they need to get up for a certain player, they can do it uh, and, you know, game plan around it. They, they still struggle against dual threat backs, which, you know, chargers Packers, just to name a couple of teams that, that have really good ones um, that that's always been a, a struggle for them and, and where they can kind of get uh, torn apart by opposing teams. But no, I, I think this team is, at this point, at you know, in the bye week, I think they're a complete team. But I think we will see them get even better, like and like we did last season. The yeah. defense took that big step during that final stretch of games, late November uh, through December. So, last question for you on the Chiefs, and then uh, then we'll move on to sporting. Uh, just real quick, you, you look down the stretch. You get the Raiders coming off the bye, road game against the Bucks. Still got to play uh, the Dolphins, which have turned out to be no slouch. The Saints on the road and end with the Chargers. I mean, that's not an easy slate to finish off the year. How do you see this team finishing the regular season? Do they get that number one seed? And how important do you think it is to get that number one seed with uh, only the top seed in each conference having a bye in this new playoff system? Yeah, well, so if the playoff format stays the same without them having to go to the 16 team playoff format. Uh, if they have to have any more postponements and cancellations, then, um, then I think that, yeah, the number one seed is incredibly important because it's, if, if you don't get that, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And, you know, we saw last season, how, how crucial the buy was for the chiefs in getting that and, and how that could have helped their playoff chances. You know, who knows, you can make an argument that, that, completely change the outcome of their season. So I think it's incredibly important. I think anytime you can get a buy or, you know, finish at top seed or top two seed um, when there's playoff implications like that on the line, I think it's incredibly important, but I, I, I look at the strength of schedule going forward and I'm with you. It's not easy. You could make a case in all of those, of those remaining games that the chiefs could, could drop, 
a couple of games. And I, I think the Dolphins, like you said, they're no joke. Tua's looked phenomenal. And I think that the, there's a really high upside there. The Chargers game, granted, the Chargers, I think, are beating themselves or Anthony Lynn's beating the team more than uh, the Chargers are beating themselves um, because Justin Herbert's looked great. They definitely have enough talent to, to have more wins on their uh, in their record than they currently do. But the Buccaneers, I was a little bit more concerned about that team until I saw what happened against the Saints the other night. So that to me is kind of a wild card game. I don't foresee the Bucs having another loss like that, but you never know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think though that the Chiefs, when you look at what they did against the Ravens and and how just confidently they went in and won that game when everyone had picked the Ravens to win it, I, I think that they can go into any game and, and come out with a, you know, come out with a win. So I, I would, if I had to put a number on how they'll finish the season, I've got 13 and three. I think they'll lose two more. I don't know where those losses will come, but I could also eat my words and see this being a 14 and two season. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but I could see them losing one to two more games, but I think that they'll come out with more wins than losses here in this final stretch. I think the other uh, wild card though is, is COVID. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if you lose your starting quarterback or you lose, you know, one of your, your top receivers or one of your key defensive pieces, offensive linemen, which they're already uh, pretty thin at the O-line, you could be in a lot of trouble. So I, I think that, you know, that's kind of the one thing that it's hard to make predictions because of the COVID card that, you know, no, no one really knows how that's going to play out. Um, but yeah, one seed, incredibly important. Um, I, I think that, the Steelers, though, don't have as hard of a schedule to finish out their season as the Chiefs do. Uh, not that I think that they will go undefeated throughout the entire season, just because I don't think they have enough to, without without getting just really lucky, I don't think right. they have enough to, to go without a loss the rest of the way. But then again, you never know what could happen. Uh, but I do think they have an easier remain remaining schedule than the Chiefs do. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. We'll move on, uh, talk Sporting KC now, number one seed in the Western Conference. Couple, you know, week or two off before they begin this postseason. How you liking Sporting's chances? Uh, you know, they were one of the favorites in the MLS's back tournament and were eliminated in the round of eight. Is this team a lot different in this scenario as opposed to what they were earlier in the year in that tournament? What's uh, what's the hopes for Sporting going into this uh, MLS Cup MLS Cup playoffs at this point? Yeah, I think they're a very different team and not because what they're doing tactically or technically is very different, but defensively, their back line looks totally different than it did at the start of the season. Matt Beasler has not played in a game in a couple of months now. The uh, starting center back tandem is looking like it'll be Roberto Puncic next to either Winston Reed or Andre Ufantas, which have both um, in, in recent games looked like great additions to the team and, and great compliments to Roberto Puncic as well. I think that, you know, that, that center back tandem, it's so important that the two players complement each other. And that was something in 2019 that they really struggled to find after they lost Ike Opara because Opara brought some of what Roberto Puncic does in that he's very quick. He's kind of the aggressor while the, the the player next to him needs to be more of the, like a Matt Beasler too. And, you know, when Matt Beasler and Ike Parr were playing together, he's more of the, 
he, he keeps control. He's more of the passer. He's more of, you know, controlling the tempo back there. And, and again, it's kind of like a yin and a yang situation, but I think that they've, they've seemed to find that in recent weeks with Roberto Puncic and either uh, Winston Reed, who I would say would be the, the starter over Andre Fontes or Fontes and both of them have scored goals as of late. So that's, you know, another, another piece that just makes this team dangerous is to have um, players who can, score off the set pieces or add another dimension to the attack because just makes them harder to defend. But then you look out on the wings and Graham Zussi out for the rest of the season with injury. Didn't see that one coming. Um, He had been having a great season, but Jalen Lindsay, one of the young homegrowns who's really stepped up in, in place of Zussi has been getting better each week. And he's, pretty much locked up that starting role on the right wing. And, and, you know, that's a huge, I I mean, losing Zussi was, was not great for them. And I think there was a question mark. Could, could Lindsay be the the starter there? And he's embraced the role. He's done a great job. Then you look at the left back role and Amadou Dia after the, after the MLS is back tournament took over that, that role and has not let it go. He has been playing at a really high level, defending well, Ramiz calls him a steady Eddie. He is very dynamic in the attack, gets up, uh, you know, gets up on the wing and helps create chances. Uh, really, really just a, a big contributor in that, in that area of the game that has helped create a lot of chances, a lot of scoring chances for sporting. So defensively, the back line looks totally different than it did at the start of the season. Uh, outside of, I think, Roberto Puncic, who was starting at the beginning of the season with Matt Beasler. But outside of that, Pretty much every role has been flipped and a new players in that spot. So, you know, a very different team defensively. But as far as, you know, the midfield and the and the attack goes, this team just has a lot of depth. And to me, if if there's one thing that could carry sporting through the playoffs and, and to the MLS Cup, it's because they have the depth to do it. They have had players step in when Alan Polito, their star striker, was out on international duty, out with injury. Well, if he's gone, Eric Hurtado will come in and score some big goals for the team. Kyrie Shelton can play out on the wing. He can play at the nine. Uh, you look at the midfield, Gianluca Busio, who another homegrown player that has completely taken a massive step forward this season and has stepped up in place of Elie Sanchez, who was away for about seven games, played at the defensive mid role then moved back to the attacking mid role and has played consistently and at a high level in each position he's been asked to fill in at um, and earning himself a a starting role, even if he's not starting, you know, a a great um, option off the bench. So this team has a lot of options. They have a lot of depth. They're getting healthy. They were without Alan Polito and Gotti Kinda in their decision day game against Real Salt Lake. Um, they, They did have a positive COVID test, not clear who that was, but, you would imagine uh, if it was Gadi Kinda or Wilson Harris, who is also listed as not medically cleared, that by the time uh, playoffs roll around, they should be healthy. And then Alan Polito was dealing with uh, a bit of a knee tweak. So timeline there looked like it was about two to four weeks. So he should be back either by that first game or at least if they can advance to uh, the second game. So they're looking like they're they're in a really good spot going into the playoffs. And I think that um, they're not getting as much of the national attention as they maybe deserve, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams, especially if they can get past this, this really weird San Jose team. The San Jose team plays a really weird system. They, I, I don't know if you want to call it a trap game, but it, it's a unique matchup 
But if Sporting Kansas City can come out and get a couple of goals on them, they've shown that they, when they concede goals, they lose pretty bad. So yeah. uh, the game could go a, a few different ways, but I think Sporting's in a good spot. Well, and, and talking to John A. Russell and some of these guys before the season, 2018 still on their minds. Every, you know, they felt like that was the one that got away. And so some of these older guys, I imagine, yeah. are you know going to lay everything out on there. You know, this might be some of their last shot to get that MLS Cup title. I think that well, they're going to play great. Go ahead, real quick. Yeah, well, I was just saying another thing about 2018. The playoff format has switched. Yeah. it is now one and done. They're not going off the aggregate. So they also felt they got cheated in that way because had it been uh, the one and done, they would have probably advanced to the MLS Cup because of of the new format. So I think that's also something that kind of adds a, a really motivating element to the playoffs, you know, knowing each game that your fate is in your hands and not having to worry about goals against, goals on the road, just all of these things that don't make it, in my opinion, as exciting of a playoff. So I think that, you know, that adds a nice bit of extra motivation for teams. Yeah, just be done with it. Don't for, for remember what happened in the last game. You know, that's not how we do things in America. I, I like the switch over. Should be good to see. Allie, appreciate the time as always. Follow Allie on Twitter at Allie Trost, uh, Instagram, all that great stuff. We appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us, Allie. Thanks, Tyler. Big thanks to Allie Trost for joining us here at the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now. Time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. We'll pick five college games, five NFL games. Quick look at the standings. Yours truly still holding things down in first place. Uh, I went 5-5 five and five last week. Not a great week, but I did expand my lead. I'm up to 48-39-3 on the season. Thomas Bridges, he went 4-6 and six last week. That puts him at... 46-41-3. Brad O'Connor last week, he did the same as me, a 5-5 five and five week. That puts him at 41-46-3 overall. Moves him to third place as our guy T.J. Reeves, uh, he went 3-7. and seven. That dropped him back to last place at 40-47-3. And, and we'll start out by bringing in Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo of O'Connor Advisory Group. Coach, we're, we're past the election now, and we're getting closer to the holiday season. Thanksgiving just coming up in a couple of weeks. What's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group as we head into the holiday season? I've had a lot of folks who, through the election, were kind of squeamish of what the, uh, whether their candidate was going to win or not or what that impact may be. And uh, I think that we're going to – we already know we've got a pretty good idea where it's going now. Um, hey, what we want to talk to you about is – in October, you might have got an old statement, an old statement for an account, whether it was an old 401k, uh, you got your third quarter statement, you go, what is this? Maybe you had a job and you get the small 401k. You can take control of that money yourself. We can help you with that. We can show you how to hold the fees down, do something that's better for you individually, and we want to chat with you about that. So give us a call. You got an old 401k or maybe you've got an old account that – you never talk to your advisor. Even the guy never calls. The guy, or he only calls when he wants to sell you something. Give me a call. I would love to chat with you and say, hey, let's talk about what you're wanting to accomplish. I can find something to help you. And he'll be your friend. It's Brian O'Connor at O'Connor Advisory Group. Coach Bo, give him a call at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. 
And uh, by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com. Thomas Bridges back here with us as well. And here is the slate this week, guys. The college games, it starts with number two Notre Dame taking on Boston College, uh, a battle for uh, the right to be the number one Catholic team with uh, Notre Dame as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Number nine, Miami. They may be a top-ten team in the country, but they're an underdog this weekend to an unranked Virginia Tech team who is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite there in Blacksburg. They're also coming off a loss to Liberty last week. Number 13, Wisconsin. They haven't played in about three weeks. They're a four-point favorite against Michigan. Number 19, SMU takes on Tulsa. The Golden Hurricane, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And number 23, Northwestern, taking on Purdue. Northwestern is a three-point favorite. Meanwhile, in the National Football League, a great NFC West showdown between the Seahawks and the Rams. The Rams are one-and-a-half-point favorite. The Buffalo Bills taking on the Arizona Cardinals. That game in Arizona, and the Cardinals are a two-point favorite. Colts and Titans, a good game in the AFC South. The Colts have certainly surpassed expectations at this point for 2020, but the Titans are the favorite in this one, two points at home. The Buccaneers coming off a brutal loss last week against the Saints. The Panthers lost a close game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Tampa Bay, a five-point favorite on the road in Carolina. And the Vikings, who got off to a slow start to this year, and have had a nice couple weeks. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite as they travel to Chicago to take on the Bears, who have really had a rough stretch the last couple of weeks. Minnesota, two-and-a-half-point favorites. So there is the slate of games, and we will go ahead and get started in college football with number 2 Notre Dame taking on Boston College. Bo, we'll start with you. Notre Dame, big win last week against Clemson. They were without Trevor Lawrence, granted. Boston College has had a pretty decent year themselves do you think Notre Dame can ride that momentum into this road matchup with a Boston College as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite and make that work? Okay, so I have not been on the Notre Dame train all season. I don't want to say that I have to jump on it, but I do like Notre Dame. But what I want to say first and foremost about these college picks, my college picks have been below par. I mean, they've been awful. I went 1-4 and four last week in the college game. I went 1-4 and four the week before. You're 19 19- so – you're 19, 24, and 2 overall in college games this year, 22, 22, and 1 in NFL games. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. If you're listening to this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take my picks this week of the college games and straight up fade that action. Just pick right against me. You're going to be <laughs> just fine. You'll end up making a little bit of money. Then take all that money and bet it on all the NFL picks I make, because I'm going to win on the NFL side, okay? Follow me on the NFL. I got you there. Fade my action on Saturday. Go with me on Sunday, and you'll come out positive. Just a thought. Having said that, I'm going to put the whammy on Notre Dame. I don't like Notre Dame. So, therefore, I'm going to put the whammy on Notre Dame by picking Notre Dame to cover. Okay. Tom, who are you going with here? You know, I'm worried um, about picking Notre Dame. I will take them, but uh, not a good look. I can't blame the fans for rushing the field, but not a good look uh, because Friday comes around and they do the testing and Notre Dame has COVID. 
Uh, this could go against me kind of the way the Boise State did. Uh, you know, I didn't, I would have picked uh, the Mormons had I known um, that Boise had half their freaking team out. Uh, you know, you, you take some on the chin, that was one of them. Uh, I will go ahead and stick with Notre Dame. If they don't have a COVID hangover from the fans rushing the field uh, and, and, you know, just general day-to-day interactions, then I will. I think there's no hangover here. I'll, I'll take Notre Dame. I think they can win by 14. I think we've created a new dictionary uh, word, a new word for the dictionary, a COVID hangover. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this, uh, Notre Dame looked good last week, and they were physical at the line of scrimmage. I'm not high on Notre Dame, but I'm more less sold on Boston College. I think BC is a fraud. Um, I'll go with Notre Dame to cover here. I think that they can win this by a couple touchdowns. To me, this is more about that I don't believe in Boston College as opposed to how good Notre Dame is. Uh, I'll go with Notre Dame to cover at uh, 13 and a half. Number nine, Miami taking on Virginia Tech. Tom, I'm looking at this one. I think the wrong team's favorite here. I think this is an easy pick if you're trying to find an underdog this week. The number nine team in the country taking on a Virginia Tech team that's coming off a loss to Liberty at home last week. I, I don't understand how Miami's not favored here. What say you? Yeah, I don't know what Vegas has got in mind. Uh, you know, I've been wrong before and will be wrong again, but Feeling real good about this week so far. I, I mean, I got to take Miami. I think you'd be stupid not to. Usually TJ is the one who is the counterculture pick, and he even took Miami. Uh, so, I, you know, Vegas has got to be really stupid on this one. <laughs> Bo, what say you? Um, I like the U as well. I'm going with the U. Um, again, fade my action here, people. I just think the same thing you were saying. I think that the wrong team is favorite basing that off of Virginia tech the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to go with Miami. All right. So we all are in agreement there so far with uh, Notre Dame and Miami at this point, number 13, Wisconsin taking on Michigan, Michigan. Oh, they've been a mess to start out this season. Wisconsin's only got one game under their belts after some COVID issues. They're, uh, freshman quarterback Grant Mertz uh, from Blue Valley right here in uh, the Kansas City area. Uh, he was great in that first game. I don't know if he's going to be able to give it a go or not because he was one of them that tested positive for COVID. Uh, but nonetheless, Wisconsin's been a while since they've played. They had a lot of guys that weren't able to practice throughout that stretch due to COVID. Um, I'll still go with Wisconsin to cover four um, and and like I mentioned with uh, Boston College, I think Michigan's a bad team. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is getting ex- exposed for the fraud that he really is. I think Wisconsin, whether they have Graham Mertz or not, I think they could win this game by a touchdown, maybe more. Um, last year they ended up beating Michigan by over 30 points and ran them out of the building there at Camp Randall. i got to go with Wisconsin on the road to cover four. Bo, who you got here? Wisconsin as well. Graham Mertz, I heard, is going to be back. Um, I don't have a great source, but I got a source on that. Um, if he's back, I Ooh. really like him. He's a little guy. He, well, he's, a, he's a big guy, but he's a little guy. He, he knows people who know people. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, if Graham Mertz is back, I'll take Wisconsin. Um, I do think that Michigan's in serious trouble. Um, Michigan he loses to Michigan State. They lost to Minnesota. Last week we were saying, hey, they can't keep doing this, and then they did it again. 
So I keep thinking that they're going to have the bounce back game, but I don't think it's going to happen this week. So, uh, again, kind of putting the whammy out there, I'll take Wisconsin. Okay. All right. So we're all in agreement going with the Badgers in that one there. Number 19, SMU taking on Tulsa. The Golden Hurricane are two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I haven't seen SMU a whole lot, in, in all honesty. I watched that game against Cincinnati, and they competed for three quarters, and then Cincinnati just blew the doors off of them in that fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, I look at this Tulsa team. They play good defense. Uh, you know, their quarterback, Zach Smith, the former Baylor quarterback, I mean, he can sling it. Um, you know, this, this Tulsa team is the best team that Philip Montgomery has had in years. And then just out of sure principle, Tom, uh, being the Tulsa guy that I am, you know, I, I'm a TU fan, you know, Rain Kane, I got to take Tulsa as a two and a half point favorite. They're on the verge of being ranked. They received a lot of votes, the second most votes of any team out of the top 25. I think Tulsa wins this game and gets into the top 25 and delivers quite the statement here. I'll go with the uh, Golden Hurricane to get things done. Tom, you've seen Tulsa in person this year. You think that they can hang with SMU? Yeah, I think they can. Uh, probably, you know, arguably the best linebacker in the nation. Uh, got a pretty good quarterback. They're playing at home. I don't have shit to do on Saturday night. I very well might be in. I might very well be at Chapman Stadium. Uh, if I can find a decently priced ticket for this, uh, you know, Jones, I was um, actually hosting karaoke a couple of weeks ago. Like, I think it's been two weeks now that uh, that Tulsa was playing East Carolina in a game that they were down, found a way to come back, get it, I believe, to overtime and win that game uh, at home. It's this, you know, East Carolina is not the best team. I mean, they're not SMU good, but. Tulsa's been finding ways to get games close and to win. Uh, I mean, had that been later in the season, they might have found a way to get OSU. Uh, thank God they didn't. Um, but, you know, I two and a half, uh, I mean, I think Tulsa can win by three. I got to go with the hometown team, baby. All right. So, uh, two for Tulsa. Uh, how about you, Bo? I'm going with SMU only to be contrarian here. <laughs> I think Tulsa's the better team. I think they're probably going to win the game. I got to make up some points here in the uh, in the pick segment, so I'll go with SMU for that reason and that reason alone. I don't want to make any enemies. <laughs> okay, and we and we welcome the business to a counter advisory group for our friends in Tulsa. If you want to give Bo a call, uh, <laughs> absolutely. I'm not picking against you because I don't think you can win. I'm only trying to catch up here. <laughs> Last game, number twenty-three, <laughs> Northwestern taking on Purdue. Northwestern, a three-point favorite. Northwestern is undefeated. So is Purdue. It is early in Big Ten play, granted. But, uh, Bo, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, I I don't think this is going to be a pretty game. I don't think we're seeing a high-scoring affair. I don't know what the over-under is, but it almost doesn't matter. Take the under. I have no feel for this game whatsoever, so I'm taking Purdue because they got points. It's the only reason. Okay, simple enough. Tom, who you got? You know, Northwestern hasn't looked terrible, and, and obviously Purdue's undefeated as well. Uh, they're playing at Purdue. Uh, you know, Purdue has some of the sharpest uniforms, underrated uniforms, I think, in the nation. Uh, that's not going to – the fashion part of it's not going to do it for me this week, though. I got to go with the purple team. I got to go with Northwestern. 
Okay. Uh, I'll go with uh, Northwestern, and uh, I'm going to do so uh, for none other than uh, my friend Lindsey Slater of the uh, Chamber here in town uh, is a big Northwestern fan and was tweeting me some Pat Fitzgerald stuff the other day. So for Lindsey, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Northwestern here. I don't have a feel for that game either, but we'll go ahead and take the The, the journalism school. Yes, big-time journalism school. Very expensive journalism school that I have no interest in ever paying to go to. Uh, if they want to give me a scholarship <laughs> for a grad school program, then maybe we'll talk. Uh, let's move on to the NFL. The Seahawks taking on the Rams. The Rams are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Seahawks coming off a loss last week to the Bills. Todd, we'll start with you this time. How you feeling about your Rams taking on Seattle here? Uh, knock on wood. Let me find some. There it is. Um, you know, here's the thing. Rams haven't lost in SoFi Stadium. I think they keep that up. Uh, I think Rams kick it in. Uh, I think they figure it out. They had a bye week after getting beat by the Dolphins. Uh, I, I think Sean McVay probably has a scheme, uh, ready for the Seahawks. Seahawks defense is not the Dolphins defense. I think golf should be fine. Uh, you know, I think that's pretty much the reason the Rams lost to the Dolphins. It wasn't Tua uh, by any means. It was Goff who pretty much handed that to Miami. I don't think he hands this one to Seattle. Uh, I, this is a statement win for the Rams. I don't think they just – I say kick their shit in. I don't think they just go out and blow the doors off of them like the Saints did to the Bucks on Monday night. but um, Or Sunday night, rather. Um, but, you know, I think that – I think that the Rams, I, this is one of those splits, uh, like I talked about. And I, Tim, the Saints were going to be a split, and I was wrong. Um, but NFC West is split league. Um, usually that's how, how it goes, and I, I, I like L.A. here. I'll go with the Seahawks here, and let me tell you why. I think these are two very even teams uh, on paper, and football has changed now. When you had even teams, you used to say, well, offense wins games, defense wins championships. That's not the case anymore. The better offense will always win in an evenly matched game. Uh, I like what Seattle's doing with Metcalf and and Lockett and Greg Olson and Chris Carson and all those guys, all those weapons. I think Seattle gets it done on the road. I'll take them not only just as a one-and-a-half-point underdog. I like them to win outright. I'll go with the Seahawks on the road. Bo, you get to split the decision here. I like the Rams. Um, I think Seattle's defense is really bad. Really bad. Uh, Russell Wilson's having to carry that offense just to keep them in some of these games. They seem to either win games by five or lose close ones. I like the Rams in a closer game, and I like the Rams to cover. Okay. Um, how about the Cardinals taking on the Bills? The Bills are coming off a win last week against the Seahawks. The Cardinals are coming off a loss to the Dolphins on the road last week. Two high-scoring offenses with two young quarterbacks and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. This game in Arizona, the Cardinals are a two-point favorite. This one, Bo, this is a sneaky good game here uh, between two teams that maybe we're not talking about every week here. I, I like this matchup. I'm going to take the home team. or, or uh, Actually, I take that back. I'm going to go with Buffalo here. Um, I think that they're slightly better than Arizona, but I don't think there's much of a gap there. I'll, I'll take 
the Bills and the points as the underdog. Who you got? I got Buffalo as well. I'm starting to buy them a little bit here, and uh, I do like what I'm seeing with the Bills. This is going to be – you said a sneaky good game. This is going to be a sneaky good game. This is two pretty good teams, and there are two teams that really kind of need this win. I think the Cardinals need the win more yes. than the Bills do. Um, but I don't think they get it here. I think this is – when you couple this with the Rams winning, I think it's going to help the Rams move up in their division. I still think the Rams are going to win the West. I'm crazy. I know I'm alone on that, but they're going to. You can only uh, butter my biscuits so much here, Bo. <laughs> I, I'm, Remember, I'm I real think close. I'm to win the division. Um, I'm here. I'm, I'm so close over here. <laughs> yeah, so, Keep going. <laughs> I, 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 I got Buffalo. I'm taking Buffalo. I think that – we talked about that West was so competitive. It's so important for those teams to win these non-division games to give them those that extra game. And I think that Buffalo's got this one. I like Buffalo. I went back and forth on this pick, um, but ultimately I, I, I like Buffalo here. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, oh, you just convinced me to go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, who you got here? Yeah, I got to take the Bills, too. Jones, we talked about this, uh, how the Bills are, you know, after they beat the Seahawks, we said, hey, the Bills could really sweep the NFC West. They beat the Rams and the Seahawks. They do have the Cardinals and the 49ers left. At, yeah, the, after the way the Bills looked against uh, Seattle this past week, I, I really think the Bills are going to sweep the NFC West. I, I think it's going to happen. Uh, and for you know, I will go ahead and take the Bills. And, and like I said about the Arizona game last week against the Dolphins, I said it was an underrated game. I think they're in the same spot again. Most underrated game of the week. Colts taking on the Titans, a battle for the AFC South. Guys, I've been saying it for weeks. The Colts are frauds. Uh, I did not buy that five and two record that they had last week uh, going again to that Ravens game. Um, I think this one could be ugly. I. I the Titans are a two-point favorite here. I could see the Titans winning this game by 14 or more. I think Derrick Henry is going to have himself a field day. Give me the Titans. Tom, who you got here? Well, you got to remember the Titans, baby. They're, uh, you know, had a little rough stretch, and I think they're, yeah, I think they're back. All right. So two for the Titans. Bo, who you got? Let's make it all three of us. Um, I f- also think the Colts are a fraud. I really enjoyed that picture of Philip Rivers on his butt last week after throwing the pick six. Oh, that was beautiful. Um, yeah. Did you so hear what they, the announcer had to say about him? I don't know who I called him. They said when he was on his back, they said, what is Philip Rivers doing? It looks like he's on the floor playing one with his nine kids in the family room. I thought, oh, man. I think that was Ian Eagle. Who said that? It probably was. Nah, I mean, he had to, He didn't just say one of his kids. He had to, you know, explicitly mention his nine kids. <laughs> oh, so good. So we're all on the same page. We're going with the Titans. Yes. Yes. All right, two more NFL games here for you. Next one is the Bucks and the Panthers. The Bucks last week laid an egg against the Saints. Just an awful performance at home. And the Panthers surprised a lot of people. They went toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs there in Arrowhead all the way down to the wire. Ultimately, the Chiefs did pull away with a two-point win. Tampa Bay is favored by five here. Bo, let's start with you this time. What do you think about this matchup between the uh, Bucks and the Panthers? Well, 
I, I, you know, I called last week that the Saints would beat the Bucks. Everyone thought I was crazy. I said, hey, the Hoodats, we are for real. Uh, even though the old man's washed, he is. He's totally washed. The other old man is washed, too, and that's Brady. But, you know, he's played a couple of good games, and he's bounced back from the really poor performances uh, through his career. And then also this season, he's had a couple of poor performances, and they come back for a big game. Uh, I think last week they just kind of got – they just kind of got beat up early. The short field three times in the first quarter made it easy for the Saints to score. Uh, I think they were just kind of – the Tampa Bay was just kind of struck. I mean, just kind of like a struck by lightning in that game. Um, I'm taking Tampa. I think they'll bounce back as a team overall. I don't think Carolina's very good. I don't know what the status of Christian McCaffrey is. I know he's questionable. He came out of that he's game. Out. Okay, then that makes it even more real for me to go ahead and take the Bucs. Um, I'll take the Bucs there. I do like the, them overall. All right, you'll make TJ happy taking the Bucs there. Um, you know, I, I got to go with the Panthers here. I really liked what I saw from them last week. Uh, Matt Rule is going to be one of the best coaches in the NFL. I mean, this guy is phenomenal, the job that he's doing, and you know, especially working with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, turning him the quarterback that he is. Uh, I, I don't get, Bo, why your Saints didn't just pay Teddy and say bye to Drew Brees. They had their quarterback, and they let him go. Um, I, I'm a Teddy Bridgewater fan. I, I like what the Panthers are doing. I think the Bucks win this game, but the Bucks haven't done anything the last few weeks to impress. They're, they're winning these games by these small margins. They barely beat the Giants two weeks ago. I like the Bucs to win, but I don't think they win by more than three. I'll go with the Panthers to cover, Bucks to win in that margin. Tom, who you got here? You know, I'm going to go with the Panthers to cover as well. The Bucks could very well win, but like you said, they've been winning by these small margins. And hell, the Panthers took the Chiefs to the, you know, to the, you know, all the way to the finish. And I was really hoping we were going to see NFL history with the 67 yarder. Did not pan out. Not because I don't like the Chiefs. It's just the opportunity arose. And, you know, I would like to see that happen against any other team, obviously, than my own. Um, even if, well, not if I had money on the line, so no. But, um, huh. you know, yeah, I mean, I the Bucks hung with the Chiefs, or not the Bucks, the Panthers hung with the Chiefs. Uh, I think they can hang with the Bucks. I think they can hang within five points. Okay. All right, so two for the Panthers, one for the Bucks. Last one, the Vikings and the Bears. Um, it has been quite the downward spiral for the Bears the last couple of weeks. They've lost three straight. It's so bad they're talking about bringing back Mitch Trubisky. Meanwhile, for the Vikings, after that awful start, they've played some better football, including a win against the Packers on the road a couple weeks ago. Minnesota's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Both these two teams seem to be heading in completely different directions right now. Minnesota favored at two-and-a-half. Yeah, they do, and, and a lot of it's the Vikings got Dalvin Cook back, and that's really taking a lot of the pressure off of Kirk Cousins and that offense. Uh, the Vikings offense is really trying to find an identity before getting Dalvin Cook back and, uh, you know, not having Paige anymore. He's in Buffalo. It's one of those where you, what do you do? So I, I'm leaning, I've been going back and forth actually on this game because what I know is also hard is beating the Bears in Chicago on Monday night. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the Vikings here. It also means I'm taking all the favorites, which I really don't like doing, but that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to take the Vikings 
it's one of those where one team's progressing one way, one team's progressing the other. They're meeting at the intersection. It's kind of obvious which way it should go. doesn't always mean it will, but that's where I'm going to go is with the Vikings. Well, you did take the Bills, and they're an underdog. So, oh, Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. You're right. So you went four favorites, one underdog. That, that, that'll work. Uh, Tom, who are you going with here, uh, Vikings or the Bears? You know, I'm, I, I flip-flopped this game. It is in Chicago. Uh, but with the way Dalvin Cook has been playing, I, I can't I can't pick against him. Hell, even Adrian Peterson is is pretty much uh, you know campaigning for Dalvin Cook to be ninety nine overall in Madden. I have to agree with him. Dalvin Cook's been very impressive, and he's he's literally taking the heat off of Kirk Cousins. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins should buy him lunch at least once a week. Uh, because at this point, Kirk Cousins is still in the game and, and still there and, and still has a job. Uh, not Obviously, not only because it's a large cap, but uh, because Dalvin Cook is, is just easing his mind right now. I mean, he, he needs a steak dinner at least once a week on Kirk Cousins' time uh, because and, and he's going to do it again on Monday night. Uh, I think they can win by three. If this was three and a half, I might be more apt to to go with Chicago, but at two and a half, I mean, it's at, at that point, it's can, can they can they win? Uh, and I think the Vikings do. So I don't even know why we have Tom here because he saw all my picks and then just pretty much copied all of them except for I the, did not. Uh, I did not Seahawks Rams game, which he took his own team. Um, yeah. But I, I have the Vikings here. A lot of S to do with Gal- Dalvin Cook, but just the way the Bears are playing as of late here. I mean, it's just been a disaster for this team. And you know what? I think that, you know, we, we like to see coaches on the hot seat around here. I think that, uh, you know, we start talking about Matt Nagy potentially on the hot seat there in Chicago. Uh, things are not going swimmingly for them. But uh, I'll go with the Vikings to uh, to win this game and cover that two and a half. So there you have it. That's our picks for this week. Uh, TJ, his picks, uh, he went Boston College, Miami, Michigan, Tulsa, and Northwestern on the college side. He went with the Seahawks, Cardinals, Titans, Buccaneers, and Bears on the NFL side. So uh, that is our counter-advisor group, Pigskin Pick'em. Follow along all season as uh, we will see where this thing goes, and I will continue to lead and ultimately be the champion is eventually how this story unfolds by the end of the year. But you get the hey, Okay, Donald one Trump. One comment here. Okay. Hey, I think Thomas was talking about, you talking about Kirk Cousins owes Dalvin Cook some uh, steak dinner. Every time Kirk Cousins cashes a paycheck, he is straight up stealing money. <laughs> I don't understand how he has gotten that much money. He is not that good. So you talk about you guys like to fire coaches. I like to fire quarterbacks. He is just awful. Oh, yeah. I agree. And I, I wanted to say, yeah, every time he cashes a paycheck, he's stealing money. Yeah. I, I don't understand why they paid him, but they didn't pay Stephon Diggs. That to me is yeah. the the biggest head scratching thing that yeah. was decision that was made this past offseason. You were talking about Teddy Bridgewater earlier and saying something about you know why did the Saints pay Teddy Bridgewater? They like Taysom Hill, which I don't agree with them on that. But Taysom Hill, I like awful. James Winston. I like James Winston better than I do Kirk Cousins. And honestly, I would have taken James Winston over Kirk Cousins. I, I think that Kirk Cousins is an absolute fraud. But uh, <laughs> gosh, I just. I mean, just horrible, horrible, overrated quarterback. He wins one game and shouts, do you like that? Yeah. The only thing you like is you're stealing money 
every single week you catch a game check. I loved Cousins as a fourth-round draft pick for what he did on that rookie contract, for where they found him in the draft. That was great. But then once you paid Cousins, I said, okay, I've seen enough. That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, thank you as always, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Hey, thank you. A couple more things before we get out of here today. Let's talk about the NBA as the offseason has finally arrived uh, as uh, we are just, what, not even a month away from the season starting? It's around Christmas, I believe. And the Oklahoma City Thunder have found a new head coach, and his name is uh, Daganault. I think that's how you say it. Um, look, I don't know anything about this guy. I'm not going to lie. I mean, this guy was not on my radar. I thought they were getting Will Weaver. That's what I was told was that he was the favorite to become the next head coach of the Thunder. And and Weaver's background was, you know, as an assistant for a couple different teams and coaching in Sydney, Australia. But instead they keep things in-house with uh, Daganut, Mark Daganut, uh, who was the G League coach five years with the OKC Bull or uh, Blue. Um, and then he was on assistant on the staff this past year. But he was with Billy Donovan all the way to Florida, and he was with, obviously, Billy Donovan here in Oklahoma City, and now he becomes head coach. I mean, you hired Billy Donovan 2.0. That's what you did. Now, I'll give him a chance. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Hope it works out. Sam Presti knows him as well as anybody, I'm sure. But if you wanted just another Billy Donovan, why didn't you just go ahead and extend Billy? Now, granted, I was not a big Billy Donovan fan, but to me, this one just, I don't get it. And I know that the Thunder are in a development stage. You know, they're looking to move some pieces of some sorts. This guy's worked with young talent, but um, this one doesn't move the needle at all. Um, you, you, you went with a G League guy that no one knows. Um, okay, you know, I'll give him a chance, but Tom, I'm not enthusiastic about this hire at all. This tells me the Thunder are they're not going to pay him much. It's going to be a situation where they're taking a a, a low risk, where they'll they'll see if he develops these guys, gets them going somewhere, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. They move on. It's one of those. It's a cost saving measure, is what it is. Yeah, it is a cost-saving measure, and and I it's not very aggressive. No, it's not very aggressive in a time, in a time honestly, with all the picks and everything, they could be, they could have been aggressive. Um, you know, we're not NBA GMs uh, for a reason, I guess. Maybe they see something in him we don't, and he, you know. For his track record, Sam Presti has said that he's been loyal. He's been a good coach. He's had a good track record with the organization. But uh, a lot left on the table here. I mean, a lot left to be desired. And I'm sure, and I'm not obviously an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Um, You know, I've got my own things to worry about, you know, down south in San Antonio. But a lot left to be desired here. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, I wish him nothing but the best and hope it all works out, that he can develop 
these guys like SGA and others to, to take those big steps, but quite frankly, I don't know. And there's going to be some rough years ahead for Thunder basketball, and you're likely to move on from Chris Paul. I don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him and where he's going to go. I know Phoenix has been mentioned. The Knicks have been mentioned, a few others, um, You know, as far as making a move for Chris Paul goes. The real head-scratcher was how did you not get anything for Gallinari? What was the whole point of bringing in Gallinari if you weren't getting any trade value for him, if you were just going to let him leave and be a free agent at the end of last season? That one, you know, it, though, that type of move is what makes me wonder if the Thunder really do have a plan in place. I, I liked the, the Paul George trade and the way things went down there, but it, it almost feels in a sense that Sam Presti and this Thunder team are kind of thinking on the fly here, that they don't have – a, a long-term plan for this rebuild, Tom. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what they're doing there either. Maybe they're doing it on the fly, and with all those picks and assets, maybe they can do that, but maybe not the safest decision. I mean, I've seen Chris Paul potentially to the Bucks, and like you said, the Suns and, and things like that. And, and Jones, maybe another thing we can mention, that there's unrest in Houston with Russell Westbrook. Uh, pipe dream he comes back. Um, not but, for that contract, right? Right, no joke. He does one out, but um, you know, Sam Presti is here's the thing, too. And, and I said this before, we're not NBA GMs. Um, Sam Presti gets praised at every left turn, essentially. And Oklahoma City has been making left turns for a long time, he's been praised up and down, left and right. Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Schroeder coming in. I mean, they gets praised left, right, up, down, and and back and forth. Uh, maybe this is another one that he gets praised on with with this hire. We've seen a lot of crazy things with Oklahoma City. Yeah, and there's no doubt that we continue seeing some craziness. This hire, what they've got going. You mentioned Gallinari. I'm running out of praises here, Jones. Yeah, I don't know what to think. I have my doubts. Hopefully it works out. Sam Presti's proven me wrong before, but we'll see. It's kind of the only thing we can do right now is just wait and see at this point with Oklahoma City uh, as far as that goes. Um, it's going to be rough. I can tell you that right now. It's not going to be a good year of Thunder basketball. The next couple of years probably won't be, but – you know what, folks? We'll just ride it out and see what happens. That's the only thing we can do. Uh, you mentioned Russell Westbrook and him wanting out of Houston. And, you know, Russell Westbrook outplayed James Harden all season long. And then he gets hurt, and they almost lose that series at Oklahoma City. Russell was not 100%. They brought him back too early, forced him to play, and then he got the blame for it, for what went down, even though they did end up winning the series. He got the blame for it because they made him play when he wasn't 100%. And they still got out of that round. D'Antoni did end up getting fired. And now I guess there's a rift between him and James Harden and such and that he wants out of Houston and he wants to be an alpha again. He wants to be the number one option. Um, you know, at this point in Russell Westbrook's career, knowing – how things worked out in Oklahoma City and worked out in Houston, 
I don't know if anybody wants to trust West, Russell Westbrook to be their number one option. Um, that might not be realistic. His contract, he is overpaid for the performance that he's at right now. He's not the same player he was two years ago. I love Russ, but he has declined a bit in his game. Um, that contract is just brutal. He's got that Supermax contract from Oklahoma City. Um, I'll say this. As much as I love Russ, it looks like Oklahoma City got out at the right time on Russ uh, on moving on from him when they did because uh, whoever takes him, Tom, I love him, and I hope that he, he wins a championship at some point in his career. But I don't know what's a good fit for, for anybody with Russ at this point in his career uh, for what that contract's at and what his game's at right now. Yeah, I don't know either. And, and, and here's the thing about Russell Westbrook. I've always been not the huge, you know, not the biggest fan of, of Westbrook. I've always, you know, been hating on his decision-making and his shot selection. But, uh, you know, I think for a team, uh, he could be the number one option still. I, I think he was so unused to taking a back seat after, you know, taking the lead on Oscar Robinson for triple doubles and averaging that a season that, kind of an unfamiliar place in Houston and, and how they run the ball, uh, you know, and the Dan Tony offense. I don't think Russell Westbrook was the best fit. Um, and, and now that team seems to be breaking apart. You know, they're talking Russell Westbrook's unhappy, James Harden potentially unhappy. A lot of rumors coming out of Houston and as a Spurs fan uh, and, a, and a Houston and a not Houston fan can't see, can't say that I'm not, Super excited to see uh, the fall of the Houston Rockets. That looks like it's about to happen. Um, but with that said, Russell Westbrook can be good again for that contract money. No, absolutely not. Um, he, he's going to have to, you know, and let me be crucified. This, you know, from this from OKC fans and from maybe Houston fans, he's going to have to take an ego check. Mm-hmm. What's going to have to happen? And and for Russell Westbrook, he, a great player, great basketball mind. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolute winner. I, he's not the first person that I'm going to guess that would be anywhere near okay with an ego check. It reminds me, Tom, of uh, Allen Iverson there at the end of his career. When Allen Iverson moved on from his glory days with the 76ers, there was you know a couple of years where you thought, okay, he's still an all-star, he's still got something, and then the bottom of the floor just fell out underneath him. I mean, the wall hit Allen Iverson hard. And I wonder with Russell Westbrook seeing that the game is not what it was a couple of years ago. He's got the bad contract now. You know, some attitude, some teammate questions of some sorts here. I really hope that his career and that style of play, you know, of demanding the ball like he does, I sure hope not, but it, it looks like this could be headed to ending in a similar fashion what Allen Iverson did. Yeah, I mean, the, the wall's a very real deal, and it's it's not necessarily age that ends up catching up with you. I mean – He's put a lot on his body. I mean, the man runs in to, you know, runs into the paint like Frogger runs into traffic, uh, you know, in the old video game. I mean, 
no regard for human life and no regard for his body. Uh, I can guarantee you LeBron is an anomaly in this whole situation, um, considering how well you take care of your body. I'm not saying that Russell Westbrook doesn't take good care of his, uh, of his body. It takes a lot good, you know, a lot better care of his body than I do mine. Um, but you know, LeBron is an anomaly, uh, in this situation and, and father time catches everybody eventually. And it catches sooner than others, especially when you run in the lane, like a, uh, like a, you know, a, a, a semi barreling through five o'clock stands still traffic like Russell Westbrook does every night. Um, he's been effective in that, but eventually that catches up to you. Shot selection catches up to you. Minutes catch up to you. And it maybe it's catching up to Russell. I don't know. Obviously this year, you know, this past year with, with Houston is a little bit different. He was forced to play a little bit different style of basketball. Um, a team that makes him the number one option is never going to win the championship. I said that with Oklahoma city. I got a lot of hate on it for that. I got a lot of backlash to say, no, we can still do this. We have Paul George. We have Carmelo Anthony. We can make Russell Westbrook our number one option. Um, and you know, two years later, uh, Spurs fans, right again. Right. Um, right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be that asshole, but, um, he can be the number one option on a team and still get to the eighth seed in the playoffs, but he's going to lose in the first round every time. It's right. not to say he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's one of the greatest. Right, right. Uh, real quick, what other moves uh, are you watching for, just uh, real fast, as far as uh, this offseason goes? It's going to be real short. We know that. Uh, free agency and trades before training camp gets going again, I think in like three weeks. Uh, anything in particular you're watching for, Tom, here of what what could happen? Yeah, I am, and, and I'm going to go with a real homer route here real quick, but this is the biggest one of the bigger things that I've seen come out, uh, at least on Twitter. The trade moratorium ends on November the 16th. That is I believe, four days less from now. Than eight. Right, exactly. It's the 16th. Trade moratorium ends. Jones, you really have to do think with all this time off for the teams, obviously, that didn't make the bubble and for the teams that were eliminated early there are already some trades in place just waiting to be released or waiting to be announced. Um, doesn't, you know, just because they can't come out publicly doesn't mean they haven't talked about it. Um, I will say what I've seen a lot from, and obviously because I follow this probably more so than the NBA and college football, to be honest, um, you know, that as far as the NBA goes, I've seen a lot on being interested in LaMarcus Aldridge, a lot of talk coming out of, um, state that they said they think they are one veteran away from being right back to where they were for so many previous years um a lot of people think that is lamarcus aldridge and um they think it is for um the warriors second pick and either one draymond green or two uh wiggins your boy wiggins and a lot of the talk is the second pick and wiggins because of that contract in return, they would get LaMarcus Aldridge in the Spurs' 11th pick in return. Um, seen a lot of that. The You know, the Spurs are looking to get a big man. They have Jacob Pirtle, who is actually doing really well, but they need a big man. And, and you know, their last lottery pick, um, 23 years prior, they got Tim Duncan out of Wake Forest. Look how that turned out. They're looking to do so again. Um, a lot of reports right, also right. coming out of San Antonio that they 
something's big is in the works. That doesn't happen with the Spurs a lot. They don't make these trades. They don't make that happen. Um, they do have their first lottery pick in 23 years. So, Jones, we'll see what happens. That's the biggest story that I can see coming out is LaMarcus Aldridge to Golden State for potentially the number two pick in the draft to the Spurs for their 11th um, and, and some other pieces, obviously. But um, that's the biggest story I see currently right now, uh, at least for a major change. Right. Now, now, Tom, I don't think you understand what real quick means, but we, we get the point. Yeah, Sorry. So. I mean, that was about two and a half minutes, but <laughs> – um, um, quick enough. Call me Shams. Yeah. Call me Woj. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I think Lamarcus Aldridge doesn't have much left in the tank. Um, if the Spurs can get the number two overall pick, that's a win. Uh, that's a huge victory for Popovich if he could pull that off. Uh, the Warriors are certainly regretting what they paid Andrew Wiggins. I like Wiggs. Don't get me wrong, but uh, to do that trade, what they did, you know, for Wiggins, that just made no sense. Uh, before we get out of here today, time for today's Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we headed to this time? Jones, we're going up north. We're going to Yellowstone National Park. Um, I got, I got stuck actually... at Yellowstone once. No joke. Did you? I wish you, you know, if you were stuck there long enough, could have had something to eat from this article. This comes from uh, multiple different news sites but the one that i'm going to read you comes from all that's interesting.com ati article headline reads idaho man it's not brian nolan uh banned from yellowstone national park after trying to fry chickens in the hot springs um when park rangers arrived on the scene they found 10 people luxurating in a restricted area and two whole chickens boiling in a nearby hot spring uh, from dumping waste to endangering wild animals, there are innumerable ways for one to get banned from nation- from a national park. Most recently, however, an Idaho man was kicked out of Yellowstone National Park for attempting to fry chickens in a hot spring. According to Insider, the Idaho Falls resident, who has yet to be publicly named, was discovered on August 7th with cooking pots... <laughs> And two old chickens in tow in the Shoshone Geyser Basin region. Traversing the park's thermal areas is forbidden, as is submerging two whole chickens in a burlap sack into a hot spring. This is too good. Three months ago, park authorities were alerted to a large group of people hiking to the prohibited thermal area with cooking tools. Park rangers then set out to find these bold visitors and were shocked to discover nine adults and a child luxuriating by Hawk Spring in which two chickens were boiling. According to the New York Post, the man has since been blacklisted by Yellowstone authorities and is prohibited from entering the park for the next two years. He was also ordered to pay a $1,200 fine for violating the park's closures and use limits. Though the site was surely strange, the stunt isn't even unprecedented. In 2001, a Seattle television host was caught digging an impromptu barbecue pit in the park's thermal area. While Zane was to entertain and explain how natural he could cook a chicken, this kind of recreational activity is expressively forbidden in the park. According to East Idaho News, the show was fined $150 for disturbing the park's mineral deposits. Doing so can lead to unnatural formations of hydrothermal pools and result 
and potentially snowballing consequences that are easily avoided. There have also been more recent incidents that resulted in actual tragedy. It was only a month ago that a three-year-old child left Yellowstone terribly burned. It had a tra- the kid tragically fallen into scalding, uh, scalding water at one of the hot springs. Fortunately, survived with second-degree burns. An Oregon tourist visiting Yellowstone National Park in 2016, however, wasn't as lucky. Colin Scott was only 23 years old when he tumbled headfirst into a blistering hot spring. To clarify, Jones, just how vicious the temperatures in such a thermal feature really are, officials never really even found any of Scott's remains, save for his flip-flops. Ultimately, rescuers at the Norris Geyser Basin were forced to call the futile, futile mission off just one day after Scott died. Yellowstone National Park is adamant about its regulations, which forbid placing object, objects and humans in hot springs. Straying off the designated trails and into hydrothermal areas, too, is absolutely prohibited. This is in part for the public's own benefit, as these waters reach an average temperature of 140 miles relative to how hot geyser water can get. It's still capable of inducing fatal third-degree burns. Furthermore, these waters are often hidden under thin layers of dirt near the geyser's vent, making for a precarious pass for untrained eyes. The rules are also in place to conserve and protect the volatile environment. This article is so long. Um, human interaction has purposely led to the spread of disease to Yellowstone's wildlife in the past. Even casual littering has led to animals ingesting the trash, while seemingly innocuous use of cars in the park detrimentally affects air quality. In other words, following the most basic rules... Like cleaning up after yourself, not disturbing the animals and staying within designated areas is the very least any tourist can do while visiting. As for the chicken-obsessed troublemaker, he pleaded guilty to the charges levied against him in the Mammoth Hot Springs Court on September 10th. As for the other Nadur Wells and his group, the status of their cases remain unclear. Jones cooked that damn chicken, but again... You know, not even mentioned in this article, Jones, there was a guy, I guess, that had a dog with him that got off his leash and jumped in to one of those hot springs. And the man, obviously the dog is screaming in pain. Uh, The man jumps in to save his dog and both of them die. Um, Can't remember what year that was, how long ago, Um, but it was in this century, this in in this millennium. you have to be smarter than that. I mean, this guy, I get it. You want to be, I don't know if you would even call it trendy. Uh, I mean, that's an expensive chicken, $1,200. Uh, probably didn't even get to eat it, honestly. Um, but what a sight, Jones. I mean, Tom Fuller enough to go and, and risk really death. You fall into that, you're screwed. I mean, like the article said, um, a, a man fell in and, and they literally couldn't find anything but his flip-flops. This will literally boil you into a mush. You, you got to wonder, like, was it really worth it? <laughs> I mean, who who brings chickens into the park anyway? Right? How do you even get that in? A full, I mean, I don't know if, what, obviously full chickens. So I, I've been to Yellowstone. And you'd be surprised, not that hard, uh, if you can just get them in the vehicle without the vehicle being checked. And, yeah, you could bring the chickens yes, in. 
Um, when I actually got stuck at Yellowstone, we were moving. We mentioned earlier in the show I lived in Oregon for a bit. We were moving back to Oklahoma, and my dad decided to make it a scenic trip, you know, being a good dad and everything. And so we went through Yellowstone, and the alternator went out on my dad's Ford Expedition in the middle of Yellowstone. And they had a policy that you couldn't call your own tow truck. You had to use the government's towing service, uh, which was through Sinclair, you know, the, the dinosaur gas station. And right. and so we had to pay, even though we had, you know, AAA or whatever for towing service, we had to pay like 200 bucks to go 15 miles through Yellowstone to Uncle Sam. And then the towing service... Uh, through AAA, whatever, could pick us up outside of Yellowstone and take us to where we needed to go next. And they did that you know, for free because we'd already paid for AAA. But, yes, uh, so that's my memories of Yellowstone. I can never say that I've, I've brought chickens into Yellowstone and, and put them into a, a hot spring. Um, this is moronic. There's, there's no way around that. This is just stupid. I hope these people get prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, like, who, who on earth thought this was a good idea? By any means, by any stretch, Tom. I, I don't understand this one. To me, this is this is the, the here's your sign award. Like, this is a hillbilly headline. Who, who thought this was a good call? Yeah, only people from Idaho, obviously. Um, is this something Brian Nolan would do? Uh, since Brian Nolan would do anything, I would say yes. Yeah, he would. What do you mean? I, here's the thing. If you're going to pay $1,200 and actually go through with it, if they, they came upon the scene and the chickens were actually boiling, at that point, I think you make the man pay the $1,200, and then I think you at least let him try the chicken. I mean, what do they do with the chicken after? Just toss it? Well, who wants to eat it, if, though? I mean, if you're going to do that, at least let the man... Why would you want to I mean, eat natural it? natural hot springs. But they got, like, sulfur and all that in it, don't they? Uh, you know what? I don't know that much about Yellowstone. They probably do. But Sulfur smells case, bad, man. Sulfur's if it, bad. If it does have sulfur, then you make him eat it as a punishment. Uh, I, 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 you're, you're not, you're not eating hot springs boiled chicken. No, I, I've been around some hot springs. I think most of them are sulfur. Yeah, no thanks. I, I'll pass. That's like Nashville hot chicken, Yellow Spring hot chicken. You're not eating it. No, no, no. I don't think they're putting that as the Kentucky Fried Chicken anytime soon. Yeah, maybe not. It's. You I know, think the Colonel said no. Here, thank here's you. The thing. What's uh what's chicken's worse? Hot springs, hot chicken, or Kentucky fried chicken? Because I bet it's close. Yeah. I mean I'll, I'll say this. Although KFC, you know, I, I think it's been considered it's called white people chicken. Um <laughs> KFC, I'll, I'll say this. We would not have churches and all those other great chicken places if it weren't for KFC. I mean the Colonel literally invented Kentucky fried chicken. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't have the good without the bad, I suppose. I refuse to eat a Kentucky Fried Chicken. I will not do it. I would do it if I was forced to. 
I don't think I've had KFC since before you were old enough to have a legal drink. I had KFC probably about a year ago because they had some special. It was like a $5 box that I couldn't pass up, and I was balling on a budget. See, yeah, you know, I, I just, it's, it's almost out of principle at this point. I would rather take my $5 than I would pay for a box and go to Little Caesars. Ooh, see, that's a line I won't cross. Is there, a, is there cross. a Little Caesars? Is there a Little Caesars in Lawrence? Little Caesars went out of business in Lawrence because people realized really it was hot, bad hot, pizza. Hot and ready pizza? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, Little Caesars, now that's a line I don't cross. Oh, my, even over KFC. I would take KFC over Little Caesars. Ooh, what a time to be alive. There's an embrace debate uh, right there. They, yeah, that, that's the Tom Fuller for another day. That, that's going to be on, on first take tomorrow. Stephen A. and Max Kellerman are going to be debating KFC or I Little Caesars. KFC Tasty Chicken Arena or whatever's going on in Louisville. The KFC versus, Yum Center. Yeah, disgusting. Um, versus, you know, Detroit Pistons, Little Caesars Detroit. Yeah, we went from one of the coolest name arenas in all of sports, the Palace of Auburn Hills, Auburn Hills to Little Caesars Arena. I'll give you that. That was a that was a sin in kind. All right. Um, the Palace of Auburn Hills should have never died. That I was, will give you that. That was a great Not name. Not for Little Caesars. No. It, I mean, if, if, it, if it had to die for, like, Andalini's of Tulsa, then maybe. Um, but Palace of Hills, I, I mean, sure, serve your Little Caesars there. You ever, Don't let that die. You ever been to Salina, Kansas? Unfortunately. You have. Okay. Um, Salina, their expo center, I kid you not, is the Tony's Pizza Expo Center. Tony's? Yeah, like the frozen like Tony's Tony? Pizza. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know yeah, who had the idea for Tony's Pizza to sponsor an expo center in Salina, but they did. I mean, at least make it a better frozen pizza arena than that. I mean, if you, I mean, if you have to, I mean, you know, I'm not even a fan of DiGiorno's, but I mean, it's better than Tony's. It's not delivery. It's, not, it's definitely not Tony's. <laughs> oh man, uh, if I'm getting a frozen pizza, I'll, I'll just go to Dylan's and go get me a Kroger. Frozen pizza for like five bucks. Got the fresh ingredients. That's the way to roll. Right. And, you know, even on that note, I'm not opposed to the Walmart frozen pizzas. Like, they're, well, I guess they're not, they're more refrigerated, I guess, right. than frozen. But in the deli section, those, yeah. are, those aren't bad. Not at all. Not at all. Better than Tony's. Better than Little Caesars. Better than KFC. Maybe we can, uh, you know, take something and boil it over uh, a hot spring at Yellowstone. Yeah, cook a instead of a wood fire pizza. A, a, at that point, a boiled pizza. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, you may be right. On that maybe note, we'll make we'll may, maybe we'll make the pasta for the Andy Reid mac and cheese in the hot spring. Hey, that sounds like an idea. We gotta go. Uh, big thanks to Allie Trost for joining us. Also, Brian O'Connor for stopping by for the pick them as well as always you can subscribe to the jones report on apple spotify and google play leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all facebook.com forward slash toggler jones live toggler jones media group twitter at toggler jones live at thomas underscore bridges at tj media group uh instagram 
Talk with Jones Live, Jones underscore report, Insta Thomas. You can find us there, and we'll see you right back here on Monday. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.